Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to an edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham and joining me as always, more reliable than Mercedes uh, weather forecast. I feel like I said that before somehow. It's, uh, it's Luke Holmes. Hi. Hi. How are we doing, Graham? Not too shabby. How are things? I am feeling fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Um, life is good. Went to the zoo at the weekend. Missed qualifying, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, got monkey shit thrown at me instead of watching quali, which fantastic. Um, <laughs> Wait, did the orangutans have a bit of attitude? Did they? Yeah, they had attitude. It wasn't literally at me, but it was at the window, which I was behind. So at you, yeah, yeah for all for yeah. all intents and purposes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't over the enclosure like I've seen on uh, TikTok before. Where it lands in a old granny's face, which is which is hilarious. Uh, but yeah, life's good. Very good. You had an eventful weekend, bank holiday weekend. Yeah, lots of travelling. I can imagine. So, where did your travels take you to this weekend? So it took me from Thursday night. I was up to Leeds to go stay at my girlfriend's for the night. Then we went up to Blackpool the following day for the weekend. Saturday. We went down to Chester Zoo, which is near Wales, and then back up again, and then spent all of Sunday chilling, watching the Grand Prix. Got my my girlfriend to watch an actual race all the way through, which oh, is a good one too. Insane, yeah. I was actually surprised it was actually a good race. Um, and then yes, uh, today, all the way back from Blackpool down to down to Notts, which is a long long drive. Yes, I can imagine so. Um, which is precisely the reason you, we were recording this on a ch- Monday and not yesterday because you literally were not <laughs> were not home. I'm not not home. No, no. I'm not able to come home on a Sunday like I normally am. So, my my apologies. No, oh good, you had a good weekend, and uh, I've yes, having shit thrown at you say, is always always good fun. What what did what did old Graham go to over the course of the weekend? Absolutely nothing, which I'll take because like my week has been helter skelter since I got back from holidays. So I was gonna say a week of catch up. Yeah, pretty much catch up and asleep. I don't know if I got a lot of it, but just nice, nice to kind of sit and do nothing, I guess, and enjoy some of the uh, some of the old festivities of the motor racing weekend, F two, Indy, and a bit of uh, well, I mean, we'll talk, we'll get into it, but. Obviously, there is very little in uh, F two on Saturday, and then yes. Indy Saturday was disrupted as well. So loved it. Uh, I was waiting for ages for the event to actually start, and yeah, I was like, "Oh, okay, they just, I'm just going to go to bed then." And then, yeah, it was on Sunday. It was qualifying in the end, but we eventually snuck some stuff in. But anyway, we'll get to all that good stuff. Uh, what feels like a lifetime ago at this stage now was the announcement that came at the weekend of the Dutch Grand Prix, which we will preview or sorry, review in full, is that Haas announced that Nico Hulkenberg and Kevin Magnussen would be retaining their seat for the 2024 season at the Haas Outfit. Now, Hulkenberg, we kind of knew to expect. We weren't as yeah. sure on Magnussen. I, I guess I'm surprised that they're both announced at the same time. Uh, this comes just after a week after we were discussing, ah, you know, it might be good for them to get someone do do something with that second seat maybe do something for the future because doing doing something yeah yeah bear with me you might even say yeah exactly anything predictions went completely out the fucking window literally within a two-day period yeah that was unfortunate unfortunate son but 
Hulkenberg, we could just very quickly talk about Hulkenberg. No, no real surprise. He's been no. he's been very good, I think, since he's come back, which has been a, with that in itself has been the surprise how strong that he's been. Certainly on Saturdays, behind the wheel of that hat, and he's, he's got some good results on the Sunday as well. That the car could only deliver so much. So quite a few races he'd had, like a few. Heck, even this weekend, just gone was a great example. Like he finished twelfth in the race. How I don't quite get because with that car probably doesn't deserve to be as high as that. But uh, mm. somehow that's kind of the job Hulkenberg has done this season. So no real surprise that he's gotten a, another run of things here for 2024. He's been excellent so far, despite, I guess, how long he's been out. And heck, he's 35, going on 36 now at this stage as well. Yeah, it, is, it says a lot, doesn't it? So he's had so much time out and then just immediately basically been Hans's lead driver this season. So And just made the most of every opportunity that sort of presented itself, even though the car's tyres decided to just die off after like three laps. Mm. So... It's almost as like he shouldn't have been booted out the way he was in the first place. Do you remember which driver yeah, it weird, was? It? He was uh, he was booted out for. Um, Ocon. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Which I can sort of understand up to a point, but and then at the same time, no, I can understand them wanting a French driver in, but I mean, Ricardo was going to fuck off the next year regardless. I think so. He might as well have hold on to Hulkenberg for another year and kept Ocon where he was. But, in hindsight, yeah, but I guess you is Hulkenberg bringing home those podiums that Ricardo did in 2020, and I guess I, I don't even want to talk about like the don't the, even the, don't the, even say what I think you're gonna say. I'm I'm not even, I'm not gonna say it. Like the like when you look at Ocon's podiums with the team. Uh, the only one that has been somewhat meritorious, I think, has been the Monaco one, if even. Yeah. Like the the race wins complete fluke, and the 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 P the P two in twenty twenty also uh, pretty pretty fortuitous on that day as well. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things. We're well, doing the business for Haas. What do we make of Magnussen then? Because I think this feels to me as if like he's getting a pass for the car this year rather than the job that he's actually done. Yeah, I, I, I'm completely agreement with that. It's, I think they know he's better than what the results have shown. Just the car has not lived up to the expectations, and they're sort of still stuck with the same problem that they had the year before, and even years be, be, previous to that, with, with regards to tyre wear and the car just sort of dropping off. So I think if it has a another similar season next year, then I think it'll be time where they're like, okay, it's time to call pull the curtain over on the second. Um. A second spell at the at the team and bring some nobody someone new in and who may have some different ideas. But I think I do think he's been a bit lucky in one sense because he's been. I, I don't think he's had that many great races. If I'm honest, no. it's sort of going wrong somewhere along the lines when he's actually been on it. But this weekend, I thought he was on it a little bit more than what was given, but that sort of went tits up again as normal. Yeah, like he had the track position this weekend, just gone in in yeah, Sandvoort, and yeah, he was I believe he ended up behind Hulkenberg again. Yeah, so, somehow, somehow, yeah, it's it's a, it's a strange one. I think he should have been made to at least sweat for this a little bit more, to at least not be so guaranteed so early on. And it's like if you want this seat, then go make it yours. Now he's, I guess he can now work without the pressure. But this feels to me very similarly to the Giovinazzi 2020 season. Like, that, how we were a little yeah. surprised how he got that, he got another season after that, because it didn't seem to be based on anything particularly 
uh, stellar, but he's got this next season. And I think what you're saying, like he's this next season for 2024 is going to be a big one for Magnuson. It could end up being his last one with the team. But I think it is kind of when we talk about make or break seasons next year for the pre- uh, preseason predictions, Kevin Magnuson's name is going to be right in this discussion uh, for, for next season. I don't think there's, unless he does a, what he did to end last season, get a poll or something, I don't think that's. Even then, yeah. I don't think that's enough. One good result doesn't outweigh 23 of the bad ones. I'm still sticking to the 24 race mantra, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think we're, it, unless he wins a race, literally, or gets at the team's first podium, that could extend him some podium, race. Yeah. But, another pole doesn't do anything, I don't think. But, yeah. And I don't even think that happens. I think Orkenberg gets it, if anything. Because he seems to be better on the Saturday. Mm, that's what it looks like, comparison. anyways. Yeah. Uh, let's hear what Gunter Steiner had to say on the, say on the subject of the announcements. I'm going to be reading from racefans.net and keep calling time with this quote from Steiner on the uh, from the uh, from the announcement. Uh, uh, he says, "Be basically cited an experience driver lineup, which we'll talk about kind of in detail in a sec." Well, on Magnussen, he said, "Kevin is obviously a very well known quantity to us." With 113 starts for our team alone, we know where his strengths lie, and his knowledge and experience of our organization pairs very well with that too. And with Hulkenberg, he talked about Nico simply slotted in without fuss or fanfare. That was an interest. Did you? Is that, is that a pointed jab at Mick Schumacher? Do you think fanfare? Probably it was. Yeah, that's a very strange thing to mention. Uh, without fuss or fanfare, and proved himself to be a valuable member of the team. He's approaching 200 starts in F1, and we're very happy to be the beneficiary of that experience behind the wheel. Uh, on I guess further sub, on I guess the, the broad speaking uh, on the whole thing Steiner said we've had to tackle our issues this season with regards to the VF23 we don't hide from that but we've been extremely fortunate to have two drivers whose feedback is invaluable in assisting our engineering objectives Kevin and Nico gelled well right from the get go and together they've both scored points and in particular Nico's excelled in qualifying getting to Q3 on six occasions having not raced in the F1 full time since 2019 that shows you just how professional he is and how he's looked after himself physically. Mm. Now, obviously, what we were clamoring for was someone on the younger side of things, on the less experienced side, of that, but at least maybe offered something a bit more long-term uh, to, I guess, maybe when the team nails a car or gets a good concept with the car that, you know, you've a star or someone that you can maybe believe to be a star or something of the sort, kind of lead it forward uh, like, and that would be the one knock you'd have against Magnus and Hulkenberg is that I guess there are uh, to, to borrow a, uh, the term a B-Tech Ocon Gasly oh god don't even which which is which is why the, which is the reason why, I guess the, the core reason why we were clamoring for someone young and exciting like an Ollie Behrman or like a Jack Do and that you know could at least have the potential to do something or to lead a team, whereas, or be a star of a team, whereas we kind of already know what Magnus and the Hulkenberg are, and that's fine, but I guess your your ceiling is always kind of capped to a, to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think Magnuson really offers anything more than what he's currently offering. It's his poor. Yeah. I get why they've done it, but... Yeah, on, on that subject of why, uh, the, this is what Steiner had to say about it, and I'm reading from uh, Matt Q uh, from motorsport.com on, I guess, the topic of rookies versus experience and this kind of thing. 
so we just watched Steiner said I think it was pretty straightforward since a few months ago when I started to say I think we're pretty good first of all Nico at the beginning of the year obviously we didn't do a two year contract because we didn't know how he would come back but he came back very strong then obviously Kevy sorry obviously Kevin he would have told himself that he's not happy with his performance in qualifying at the moment he's just struggling with the inconsistency of the car he doesn't know what it does from corner to corner uh, this may be relevant to somebody else we'll be talking about it later. goes forward I can tell him that mm. uh, I think we have the, got the, I think we've got the best driver pairing we can get at the moment with our financials and the effectiveness of our car so I never actually spoke to anybody else that's, uh, that's interesting mm. well we'll get to it but carry on uh, Steiner also said uh, talk about the risk aspect of not wanting to get younger drivers in and he said, if he said, and he said, if you look around the options, there's not a lot without risk. I don't want to take any risk in the moment because I don't think that's appropriate. You can take a risk if the risk is worthwhile to take. And in this moment, we want stability. Now, just to stop, just to pause that for a sec. That's what always Steiner has said. Basically, is that if it's worthwhile, and he's talked about like a Leclerc, or like a Russell, like that's that's the kind of bracket he's put this kind of risk in now. That's yeah. and he's been consistent in that. So like that on that part, his his stance hasn't changed. So I'll just carry on reading now. We've got one part of the team sorted out well with the drivers, in my opinion. So now we need to work on the car to sort that one out. You work step to step. A year ago, the drivers were a concern. This year, the drivers are not a concern. Next year, they will not be a concern. Tick the box and move on to the next thing. You have to improve. Uh, now, and then I think, I guess he was asked about Piastri uh, specifically. And uh he said, it's still a risky business to take a young driver and how to go around it, is what he said on the subject. But I, I get what he's saying. Like, the drivers aren't a problem until the car is not a problem. I guess that's kind of what the inverse of what they had last year. Yeah. Especially at the start much. of the season. So I guess, and like, I, like, all these things kind of move towards Magnussen's favour. But I don't know. At some point, you've got to do stir something. And I guess they did. And... With Mazepin and Schumacher, and they had their hands had their hands burned uh, for different reasons. With Mazepin and Schumacher, uh, one off the track for I guess well on and off track for Mazepin and on the track for Schumacher. I don't know. I I think they've had it's it's kind of like the I feel like it's like the Grinch in many ways, isn't it? Like they were they were burned once by young drivers, two of them, and now like now like, we don't want young drivers anymore. It's I don't know. There's only so far you can go with with what they have, and like what they have is fine. It's just not going to get, I guess, the, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is that they don't have a driver that's going to get the maximum out of the package and you know it's going to get the maximum out of a package, like a Norris or like an Alonso or, and I understand these are different class drivers, but like Leclerc was once in this, like a young driver boat and so was Russell. You know, you gotta take a chance. On, I feel like you gotta take a chance on somebody at some point. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. And they did once and they have their fingers burned and, I feel like they don't want to do it again, but I think that's the wrong reason to not make a change when I think a change could be made for changes for like for a legitimate sake. It could. It needs to be made. I think if I'd, I'd even consider a mid-season driver change if this form carries on, right? And someone's available, right? There is a lot of uh, rumors at the moment that Grand Joe is going to lose his driver after Romeo next season, mm. and that he got even louder over the course of the. Return to the racing action at Zandvoort. So, I'll be honest, I'd rather take Joe than Magnussen at this point in time. I think Joe's been one of the more quieter drivers in the, in this season in terms of he's sort of gone unnoticed yeah. in what he actually does. And for some reason, he's the one that's going to be sacrificed. 
for what looks like Teo at this rate and the way it's going. Um, but to be honest, I, I just think Magnussen's time is done. As as bad, as mad as that sounds, going from what we were raving about him last year to how he is this year, he sort of struggles with the same car inconsistencies that I've had in previous uh, reincarnations of their car. So mm. why would you carry on with someone who's sort of still struggling with the same issue? But then again, give him the benefit of the doubt, I suppose. But it's it's, oh, it's, it's a messy one because they obviously the team have got a, a soft spot for him. Yeah, which is why I think they won't turf him out mid-season next year. Like they, yeah, they won't do. I don't think I'd be I'd be shocked if they did that. But in regards to the the young driver thing, because they got it wrong once doesn't mean they're going to get it wrong again. Like, yeah, they they knew what they were getting into with an old rookie lineup, so that was on them. I know it was unfortunate that they ended up with Mazepin instead of Ilot. Right, but I guess that was their choice. Like it was, like, yeah, of course. They, and they of had, course. they did have their hands tied somewhat financially. Like especially in the yeah. year that was in 2020, and they, like, they, they, it was going to be tough. They needed some financial stability. They got out of Mazepin. It was always going to be between Ila and Schumacher for that second seat. Yeah, I, I think they got it wrong, which is what annoys me because I love Mick, but I, I would have liked to have seen what Ila would have done, but. Just because it went so wrong with them doesn't mean it will go so wrong with another driver mm-hmm. who's potentially, I would say, Berman and Duan have got more talent than what Eilert and uh, Mick had yeah. in 2021. There's more star just, potential there, for sure. Yeah, just raw potential. Those two have got more. And even, um, oh, Jesus Christ, Victor Martins. Mm-hmm. Again, I would throw into that bracket. Those three are the, are the next big, big things. So to put them in the same bracket as Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher, who was sort of tainted before they even got their chance, is sort of a weird statement to make. But I guess if you don't want to take the risk, it doesn't always pay off, I suppose. Mm-hmm. What about this Guan Yu Zhou thing then, to mention this quickly? Because the, the, this feeling from the paddocks on from the weekend seemed to suggest that He's maybe not as safe as he once was for this seat. Not because I don't think of any driving uh, no, how no. he's driven, even though he had an accident the weekend, which I could pour more into aquaplane than anything else. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't put that purely down to him. Probably him on judgment. but mm, And he's having a the, good weekend, I thought, beforehand. Yeah, yeah. It was. So it's it really a good was. race. So, it, what the reports think? I read, it was down to more a financial side. Yes. Which is surprising, considering... He basically bought the seat at Alfa Romeo anyway, if you know what I mean. We were sort of in the when the, it was rumored that he was going to be moving up to Formula One. It was he's bought this seat because he's got big Chinese backing, mm. and I don't know where that's gone. Well, the hope I think it was more like what seems to be suggesting now is that there was more hope that he would bring more Chinese backing than he actually has at this stage. Okay. So at least from that's what the sense I got from Lawrence Pareto when he was discussing it over the uh over the weekend so if there was a change again i for, for the record i think we both are in agreement that if there was a driver to be changed after may we would definitely lean towards valtteri bottas than uh guan yu zhou but the fact of the matter is bottas is the one with the contract and i suspect being paid more because i to i suspect they would need to pay them somewhat amount of a decent amount of money when they signed him from mercedes back in uh 2021 so 
if like there is obviously Teo Porcher in this consideration as well, he's currently the championship leader in F two. But is there anyone else you'd be considering for that second for that seat if uh, if Joe is does they decide to move on from Joe? Two people easily. One of them's not even in Formula One, and the other one's a, a top three team, top four team. Can you guess? The well, the two names I heard over the weekend that were reported were obviously Teo. Yes, of course. The other They've, one, obviously, yeah. Mm, sorry, the other one I heard was Felipe Djokovic. E, not a fan of either of those, if I'm honest. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I was sort of going back to what we said a few weeks ago about signs. If Alfa Romeo wanted to be ambitious, mm. I think that would be... If they were going to change Joe, that would be the move. But I, I, I think that would be a year too early if they were going to do it. But I would be going all out for Pelot if that was me personally because mm. I'm not being funny to Teo I just don't think he's got what it takes in F1 right now doesn't really he's got too many mistakes in him and not enough yeah he, he was so much promise and I, I know we sort of sort of battered this drum quite a few times in the, in the last two years or so but there was so much promise in his first season and so much hype going from F3 with his age and stuff and who he was sort of driving against. And it's got to the point where Oscar Piastri's come up with him, had a year out, and is now in F1 and is still, Theo's still in F2. Even Logan, who was had an extra year in F3, is in F1 now. It's just, mm. eh. Just not quite the sexy pick anymore. And Djokovic, as much as I like Djokovic... I just think he's Formula E written all over him for now. And then maybe IndyCar. Which is quite sad because he did absolutely smash it. But I, I just don't think anyone in the F1 grid really fancies him, to be honest. Yeah. It's the links to Alfa Romeo. I think Alfa Romeo would be a bit silly. What well, the Sauber group, should I say, not Alfa Romeo. The Sauber group would be a bit silly to overlook their own academy driver to go for someone who's not in their team. If you know what I mean, that would just sort of be a kick in the face. Hmm. So if they were going to do it, it's going to be Teo, isn't it? If we, if it all comes down to it, and I, I would going back to what we sort of said in preseason, it sort of with the preseason testing interview that was done with Teo, he was sort of alluding to promises that were made to him if he delivered that the seat would be his, which I think he was sort of keeping close to his chest, but sort of hinting at at the same time. Um, which is kind of bad in one sense to Joe because I even thought Joe did better than Bottas in the year previous so the fact that Bottas is getting the time that he is is sort of annoying me if I'm honest yeah look given the choice I would also have Joe over Bottas and then Joe and Teo is, is, is a great I've been more than happy with that mm. yeah it's it's a weird one uh, yeah I, we'll see what happens with it but I yeah, if they're going to be, if they're going to do it to anyone, I would, I would, yeah, I, it would be weird for them to go outside of Teo uh, unless, it, unless it is a science or something. But it's too soon for that. Like it's, like it's, just, that's not. Yeah, happening. It's, it's a year early. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a year early on that ship. But if they were going to be ambitious and make a big money statement because of Audi, then that's what I would do personally. But then. It would sort of leave Ferrari with Giovinazzi, which I'm not a fan of. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I would rather have fucking Joe, if I'm <laughs> honest, than Giovinazzi. But in fact, yeah, bring Joe in, that's fine. 
That would be some insane silly season, that. Jesus Christ. If, I, if I'm Williams and James Valls, I'm all over this. Like, rocking horse shit. Hmm. All over this. Joe is a great number two to have, and to be prepared for if Albon fogs off in 24. Uh, 25, sorry. Yeah, suddenly this William Seach, I think, is very... is a lot. Let's just say it's a lot more enticing than it was 12 months ago. Let's say that much. Yeah. There is Definitely. a... there. A lot of people should be contacting James Fowles about that seat. Uh, we'll see what happens when it comes to Joe. I, again, I'd be disappointed if it, if it, this is the end outcome because, again, I just think Bottas is not the one. But... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if Joe does leave. I like I do expect Bottas to follow at some point pretty soon. I, I like I'd be surprised if he got if he got he won't 20, get an extension. If he got if he got one, I think it's a, it's just a stopgap to twenty to twenty through twenty five into twenty six. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll see what happens when it comes to that. I would be disappointed. I actually just on Djokovic quickly. I'd actually I'm actually I I want to see him in F one, but at the same time oh, yes, I'm, I'm I almost it's I don't know what I don't know what this sense this is. I feel more excited for him going into that and to Avalanche Andretti informally than I would if he stepped into Formula One. I don't know why that is. Maybe because I know he'll contend for a title informally. I would rather him go and make a name for himself in Formula E and potentially move to another big series than sort of basically do what's going to happen to Joe and Logan and sort of have their careers sort of tarnished. And have to rebuild themselves back up because of a, a stint in F one. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Isn't this so weird? Like we're seeing this split now. Like you've got the guys who go into F one and languish or struggle to kick on, and you've got the likes like Joe, like Joe and uh, Schumacher and Logan come to mind. And these are all guys in F two. And you look at Indy, and you look at Callum Eilat, Marcus Armstrong, and Christian Lungard. Their stocks are super high at the moment, some higher than others. Like, Lungas just won a race. Eilat, we think, is waiting in the wings for a top team at some stage. Especially for next year, based on the rumours. Mm. Armstrong is, is basically flipping, set. Yeah, he's in the flipping Ganassi as it is. Like, and he's basically got himself, from what I've seen on Twitter, a, a full entire season next year. Yeah, going to be doing the ovals. All, which is huge where Eilat's been impressing a lot this season and there's a actually there's a there's a piece that recently came out on the race from Jack Benyon their IndyCar expert about the underrated really good season Eilat's actually having under everyone's noses yeah um, sadly in uh, a gateway flipping to Kumasato decided to be a knob and uh, well disrupted he, he commented on it on Twitter Eilat? <laughs> yes oh what did yeah. he say? He, a guy, the guy is a lap down and he's running up into the Running people into the marbles when trying to unlap, when trying to overtake him, shouldn't be racing. That's hilarious because that's literally that's basically what I inferred to you when I was yeah. texting you when that happened, uh, and then he then crashed, then proceeded to crash out of the race. So that was brilliant. So I, I fell for eye on that one because I felt like he'd been shafted, and uh, then sat had two more moments, and then yeah, in the crashing. So that was yeah, neat. That's a shame because I started ninth that race, which is his best qualifying of the season. Uh, in a car that's not been really good for qualifying, but anyways, that piece is on the race dot com anyways. But yeah, it, it, I just think it's fascinating, isn't it? Like the the reputation building, like you could do out of F one than actually in it. Like it's you've got a few that like Piastri is obviously this the exception here, but like he's been he's been the exception to begin with, hasn't he? Because we talked about him in the same light as Leclerc and Russell, and that's what he's mm. showing to be at this moment. Yeah. So again, it's just it it can be brutal sometimes. Maybe Djokovic. Maybe he would. Maybe he would swim. Maybe he'll sink. I don't know. But 
we'll find out, I guess, in due course. But this seat, uh, long, to make a long story short, this seat for Joe is, does not seem to be as safe as it once was. The, the silly season that looks potentially going to be one of the most boring ones is potentially going to spice itself up a little bit. So, thank but, you for that. Potentially. Potentially so. Or it could be boring and just we keep everything the same. Do we think, speaking very quickly on this, uh, do we think this... Obviously, Ricardo broke his hand over the weekend. Uh, do we think Lawson coming into the mix here has any shape or bearing on that second half of Tari seat? Uh, yes. Potentially. Now... This sort of will depend on how well he does against Yuki. Now this gives Red Bull even more data than I thought they was. I think they were expecting to get. Mm. Also, I do apologise for the absolute arsehole that's driving on my street right now. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, obviously, Red Bull would not intention to put Lilson in the car because they overlooked him for this seat in the first place. So, and put Ricardo in anyway. So the fact they're going to get the data regardless now and have three different options to sort of choose for the two seats basically mm. um, is a plus and that's potential it could be even more if they decide to um, take influence from another team and put one of their drivers in there as well um, yeah I, I honestly think it does because if Lawson can only do himself good by doing well in this like if he does well and Ricardo struggles when he comes back then that sort of takes Ricardo out of the mix, doesn't it? Uh, but I know. How, how much do you that? But like, if he, if Ricardo does come back and struggle, how much do you put up to a hand injury? Because that's pretty. That's a yeah. That's that's the have. thing, isn't it? I, I think that's something that would sort of you can sort of accept for the first few races, and then when you get to like right. your last couple of races, you'll be like, right, okay, he's had sufficient time to sort of recover and get used to it. Then we'll take more notice at these races rather than the last. Yeah, few. like how long did we give Lance Stroll on this, for example? We sort of gave him till like we gave him at least four races to sort of get back up to speed, <laughs> didn't we? Arguably, we his first gone. race with the injury was his best. <laughs> yeah, well, Saudi was going all right, I suppose. He was going was all right just, there, yeah. Yeah, he was in. He was in the mix for a change, uh, as unlike now. Mm. Um, <laughs> but like I say. If he beats Yuki, then that sort of puts pressure on Yuki, doesn't it, really? Because Yuki's not confirmed yet. So Yuki should be confirmed, but... Uh, he I, should be confirmed. I'd argue this injury it, for Ricardo should actually confirm him now. You would think, but I think Red Bull would be silly to confirm it now until they've seen the full picture. Because like, Oh, yeah, the, for sure. They've got nothing to gain by confirming one drive and then he performs but doesn't perform. Because he's relaxed and switches off because he's safe. Hey, this sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know where that one is. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, like the Lawson thing. Look, like I could be, like I think he he could have done some more damage than anything else because you, you could he could all the the one extreme you mentioned I think is countered by the other that he could emphatically rule himself out if he if he sinks. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's a sink or swim moment, but I think he had the ultimate test. Over the weekend. Oh yeah, this was like I, mean, I don't want to say this baptism by fire, test. but baptism by the thing, water basically. Literally, he had everything to deal with this weekend, so we'll get to that. But yeah. Like, like, like you're saying though, it's it literally if he if he doesn't do well and does what Yuki did in the first season, then that basically rules him out he, entirely. It makes Red Bull's decision a lot easier. But we'll we'll see how how he gets on. Uh, we'll talk about the loss in in a, in a moment. But it was interesting. Just I want to add that into the whole this whole driver market conversation that we've been we've been having. Hmm. 
Uh, let's move on before before we get on to the, uh, Dutch, the Dutch Grand Prix. Let's talk about this is a lovely nugget that came up before uh, during the weekend uh, from Adam Cooper from Motorsport.com. The headline will, of course, be of interest to you. Pirelli in race to ready 2024 F1 tyres after testing revamp. How brilliant is this? Uh, basically, Adam, Adam Cooper writes, writes, the Italian company dedicated all its in-season slick testing up to July to its no-blanket tyres, which it hoped would be approved for 2024. Do you remember what the result of this at the F1 Commission was uh, recently? Uh, bin them off. Uh, exactly, yeah, thrown out, exactly, no. So, uh, basically, uh, the rest of this, the, the in-season testing, has to go to, to 2024 tyres, which are now, bl- uh, now with blankets. So, that's fantastic. So, anyway, uh, the, yeah, so... There is a test that Red, so as Adam Cooper writes in this, there's a test that Red Bull and Alpine are doing after the Italian Grand Prix for Pirelli. After this, the Suzuka and Mexico City Grand Prix Friday running will be the teams trying the prototype compounds. And then they have the test after the season's over. And then they have to approve this. The compounds have to be approved by December 1st, just days after uh, the basically what Adam Cooper writes, definitive test for 2024 for the tyres after the, after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. So that's looking well. So that's going to be fun. Looking forward to uh, the shit that has to be dealt with from this. So that's going to be fun. Hmm. Uh, so I want to make note of that nonsense before it becomes, we hear about it at the uh, back end of the season. Uh, I'm sure Mario Isola will come out and uh, complain, basically without complaining about the fact that how little time Pirelli have had, and but it was their choice to use all that time for the. Basically, it should have made a better product. Basically, to uh, that well, maybe blankless tires that teams wouldn't have rejected. But uh, there you go. That's uh, now they're in this predicament, and yeah, I look forward to how they spin their way out of this one. Uh, some more spiel. <laughs> they'll they'll again like they have at various points of season. They'll throw teams under the bus. I'm sure they'll question why more teams aren't helping them for the 2024 season with the Monza test, etc., etc. But yeah, they'll, uh, yeah. Again, it's, it's it's more. I'm sure there'll be more weird finger pointing stuff that they've done already this year. So yeah, we'll look forward to that nonsense. Right, shall, yeah. shall we? Uh, shall we review the Dutch Grand Prix uh, while we're at it? So yes, we shall. And I think we can both say this before uh, we even start this. I was not expecting that. A good, here. a good race? Um, a race that broke the overtaking record, Graham. That's right, I did see this. Do you have the number on this, actually? Because I actually don't have it in front of me. Um, give me one second, I've just scrolled past it. Mm. Uh, while you're running through that, it was a race that was uh, won by Max Verstappen, of course, who equaled the Sebastian Vettel's record of nine race wins in a row. And a Fernando Alonso, Pierre Gasly ran out of the podium for his first with Alpine. Head of Checo Perez, Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris, Alex Albon, Oscar Piastri and uh, Espan Ockel rounding out the top 10 in a pretty action-packed uh, Dutch Grand Prix, we'll say that much for sure. Yes, I have the stat. Excellent, hit me. 186. Don't, don't know. <laughs> Bearing in mind, there was 63 overtakes on lap 3 itself. Yes, that is mad. So That is mental. That is more than we've had in like six races combined. Yeah. On one lap. <laughs> so for yeah, the... that's definitely going to be a record. Yeah, one lap. Overtakes one lap. On well, so... such a short track as well. 
a very short track with uh, as you've, we would have had minimal overtake opportunities as we've seen in the past, but not impossible by the looks of it this this weekend. So I think that was really encouraging that we had yeah. this track that was conventionally labelled as difficult to overtake, and a lot of teams were expecting to it to that. Heck, Pierre Gasly said the the Williams of Alex Apple was going to be a pain uh, on Sunday. Uh, I think he's speaking from past experience because if there's one team that's been stuck behind Alex Albon's Williams this year it is the Alpines yeah Alpine Alpine (laughs) I like that you could basically uh, you could basically split this race into three the start well I mean it sounds so obvious but the start middle and end the start when the rain came the the drying spell after that and then the rain that hit at the end chaos yeah. Yeah. So, how do we want to tackle this winners and losers? Well, let's just start in general. We'll, kind of, we'll just do a general, and we'll kind of we can we can we can't tackle so, people's races yeah. within that. So let's start with Max Verstappen. Uh, obviously, look, he won the race again. Uh, shock. Uh, but this was for it. this was not a, this was not a straightforward race by anyone by any means in these conditions. He still had to survive the best of it on Saturday, and on Sunday. He drove very well. He had to overtake, of course, to do this as well. Uh, he had to come through the field while others didn't pit. He managed to do that in those tricky conditions. Uh, basically, any like a number of Verstappen's wins we've seen already, any circumstance that was thrown at him, he managed to overcome. Yeah, he was the first person going into, into a lot of these conditions, so he sort of had to feel it out whilst controlling everybody behind him, which is not an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. especially when it's your home Grand Prix. Look, let's not forget as well, like, they boxed Perez first on the Inters because they had the up margin too. Verstappen was still left alone out there on a very wet track on dry tyres. It could have, it could have easily, he could have easily gone off at any stage, like all the drivers could have as well who were left on dries. He didn't, he, he kept it on track. He was the measure for some of the drivers behind, of course, as well. Mm. In these conditions. So I think. Would you say that this was his best race win of the season? Yes. Of think, this season, yeah. Because I think it has a good chance it's to be. Up there, anyway. The other one would be Monaco? That or one of his comeback drives. Maybe Miami. Yeah, Miami's got to be up there from considering where he started. Has hmm. to be. But, uh, I, know we're, I, know we're, I know we're running out of superlatives for Verstappen at this stage, but uh, we won't spend too long here. But nine race wins in a row. Obviously, it's only been done once in F1 history. Uh, they uh, F1 that's... just say, decided to put uh, uh, Ascari on this graphic as well. With yeah, that's what I was going to say. Ascari's in there. So for some reason, yeah, for, it's a weird one. They must be counting unofficial rounds or something in in the mix, yeah. that one, or, or someone else won or something. But anyway, technically, uh, I've unofficially won that race <laughs> in a row. Yeah, five lap races. Yeah. It's not, it's not recorded. Is there anything you'd like to add on Verstappen, I guess? Like, on, like it you was know, a... Literally, it's getting to the point now is where, what do we say? I know. Nine in a row. I know. <laughs> it's it's going to get to a point where we literally have nothing else to say. Oh, he won again. <laughs> but to be fair to him this time, it wasn't the most thing, simplest thing. And it was a nice little touch that Diliano's father gave him the uh, medal on the uh, podium, mm, I thought. That was a nice touch Which as well. I didn't realise until afterwards. When I saw it on Twitter, because you don't watch so, the podiums, I've I've found. I do and I don't. It depends where it is and who's on the podium. Did you see the trophy if, from this weekend? Yes, it was. That, yeah, was, that was quite nice. That was nice. I liked those. If if I see a Ferrari podium or a Red Bull podium, then I normally watch it. But if I see a Mercedes on the podium, nah, not <laughs> interested. 
not interested in the fucking slightest. Mm-hmm. The uh, yeah, I just with Verstappen very quickly like that again. Like he was, he didn't have to come through the field a bit. The conditions were very very difficult. Uh, he like when the monsoon came late in the race, he managed to hold that as well. Uh, he had the margin to switch to full wet as well, even before the race was red flagged. So Red Bull covering extra bases there. Uh, I guess the strategy stuff is more so to talk with Perez and Verstappen, but from Verstappen's side of things, uh, he he uh, nailed this race and the qualifying, of course, very very lovely indeed. As he as the, I guess he, the way he would uh, he, he he often describes, simply lovely. Yeah. So. On that subject, I guess there's not a whole lot else to say. Uh, shall we move on to the... Well, who else do you have as a winner of the weekend from the Dutch Grand Prix? Let's just just do the other Red Bull at this point. I, I have him as a winner, even though he sort of shafted himself and was very lucky not to be out of the race twice. Um, he did come back from P7 time place of Perez, de Perez um, to finish P4. Should have been a P3 or a potential P2, but... Rebel sort of covered arse and it sort of backfired and Perez chucked it off the road and then skated an aquaplaned into the pits and got a, a five second penalty for speeding into the pits hmm. um, which eventually handed the podium to another driver so um, the guys are, you've already said the running order I don't even know why I'm trying to hide it, it I, I, Perez did well with the initial finding of uh, finding the conditions out in Winters because he was the lead driver to be on them, mm. I believe. So there was always that. Perez isn't no- notorious for being that good in the rain. So, unless it's Singapore, that's the only one where I've really been that impressed with him. And was eventually sort of hunted down by Max and then sort of shafted by Red Bull, which I wasn't a fan of. Yeah, it was so confusing that to pit for Stappen first and put him for drives when they left Perez on Inter. So that was, that was a really weird one. I don't it, I don't think it really mattered in the grand scheme of things. Oh, no. Now, I will say the pace between the two, Verstappen was told to be very careful on this set of tyres on Inter's, on, like when they were both on Inter's, and he was still eating chunks out of them. I think Perez, I think the difference between the two was Perez adhered to that warning that I'm sure he was given as well, and Verstappen didn't. Mm. But I don't think the call to put Verstappen on tires, uh, dry tires earlier than Perez, I don't think it had a profound effect on the race itself. It just delayed probably the inevitable. I still didn't enjoy seeing it happen, the seeing Perez shafted in many ways. No, I, I'm not a fan of it. But uh, it did it really change the outcome of anything? No, but anyway, it's just a bit annoying to watch at the same time. But I, th- I thought he drove well and on this race in general. Uh, the, his two errors, re- well, I mean, obviously the error gave Alonso second in the first place. There was there was yep. that. How do you want? How do you view? Like, how much of an error do you view the pit lane stuff? Do you think it was just a lockup? Do you think there's a, a little bit of aquaplaning involved? How did you? How did you view I, the I, pit lane entry? Well, that pit lane's stupid as it is. I'm not a fan of that pit lane. I was sort of it's like a bend halfway in it. But to be fair, Perez came in way too quick, and then. There was just way too much water. Aquaplaned in and then sort of bounced off the wall. I was very lucky not to break his steering, if I'm honest. Yeah, he's lucky. And that could have ended a lot worse than what it than what it did. He could have been skidding into the pit lane where there's people wandering about with no control of his car. So Very narrow lane too. Yeah. It's a, the smallest pit lane after Monaco. Yeah, so. a pit lane so narrow that in F2 they decided that if there was a safety car, you could not make your mandatory pit stop under it. Which is fair. More than fair. Um, it is one of the things that sort of struck Van Vort is needs to improve, I think. It's, it's a bit if he's gonna 
Yeah, it just needs to make it a bit bigger. There's definitely the uh, facilities and space there to do it. They just need to work out a best way to do it. It's just too small. Um, but yeah, like I say, Perez is very lucky not to be out of the race for the first aquaplaning incident. Never mind the second one. Yeah, like uh, the uh, arguably the escape runoff at turn one at the very edge near the barrier saved a lot, quite a lot of drivers. To be fair, like you have like Leclerc went off, Hamilton went off after the red flag came out. So I think I actually think if they'd if they'd I think he would have been okay actually because I think they probably would have recovered his car. He still would have been in the race. They took the results from the previous instance after because obviously I'll say Perez's from being in P six or seven was that he was. They took the lap count from the lap before, so that saved him there. But arguably driver error cost him second and third. So fourth place, maybe on the balance of things, maybe about about fair, about right in the end. Yeah. Uh, so I think he probably feels agreed himself to uh, have gotten the penalty and obviously made a mistake to that Alonso through. But so yeah, I think I think overall the race itself I think went pretty well for him. Uh, he got the track position with the initial gamble on the on the, on the inters, and I think he I think he did a, a fine enough job. So I think I think the yeah I think four place maybe as a fair punishment for the two driver errors that he did make. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to give winner weekend to Fernando Alonso for multiple things. Uh, the Aston seemed to be a little bit re- more rejuvenated this weekend. They actually didn't have the front wing update come. They did have some floor upgrades that came instead. This certainly seemed to boost them in qualifying. They had a much better showing with Alonso in qualifying. He qualified fifth, I believe, in the end. So that went well for them. Obviously, Stroke got knocked out in Q2, to be expected. So, especially with the, the, the midfield and the front running cars as is currently. So there was that. He was he made two positions on the start excellently into turn. Uh, one on uh, one on Albon, of course, and obviously he nailed. Uh, was it Norris or Russell? I think it was Russell, didn't he? They nailed into turn three with the lower banking, where he said before he's watched other categories in the past to see how they navigate the banking and overtaking. Like he was very clear in twenty twenty one when he did this race, how he studied how he studied that banking and how other drivers went through it. Like he's, this is, that's not a new Alonso thing to do to in the banking. No. So Russell's been mugged there, to be fair. It was an excellent move. Yeah, and you just know Alonso studies everything, every opportunity possible pre-race to sort of see where he can do what other drivers can't do mm-hmm. and sort of surprise them. So I love that. I love that there's still that hunger to do that kind of thing at the age he is and oh yeah passion so he loves going the extra mile seeing what envelope how far he could push the envelope and then in the wet conditions on the uh, the dry tires and the wet track he was excellent as well side through norris was catching verstappen yeah yeah he was and he was which is surprising to me actually yeah he just had such a he had a like I would classify Verstappen as a better wet weather driver than Alonso, but whatever groove Alonso was in, he was really in it. And that car was really switching alive to what he wanted it to do. He was competitive as well at the end of the race as well, when they went back onto Inters after the red flag. because And he thought about sending one up the inside. And you could see it as well on the onboard. You could see how he was debating it. 
And he afterwards he was talking about, I, I think I want to leave the circle in basically one piece, essentially. So he's like, ah, yeah. maybe, maybe I shouldn't. But I, you could certainly see he was tempted to. He definitely thought about it. You, when the onboard comes out, you'll see it. Um, when you get that, maybe it'll be on the top 10 onboard replays or something, or you'll see it somewhere during the week. But he really thought about it. It was only 3.7 seconds off in the end uh, for Stappen because they had about, what, f- six, seven laps of racing in the end? on, on Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot, but yeah, it was below term. So yeah, just a, I don't think that car was second quickest on the weekend, but somehow Alonso managed to salvage second, or not salvage, but he managed to pull second place from it. He had a his race day was absolutely excellent. He was that was one of his best drives of the season for what I think is his seventh podium of the season now. Yeah, which is crazy. His first podium since Canada. Hmm. Um, they were into the weekend like we like basically we were. Before the weekend, we basically said like Hamilton will take that third place off him at some stage, pretty soon. He's bought himself a little bit more time, has uh, Alonso with that excellent performance. He's now twelve points clear of Hamilton once again. So I don't know, I don't know how he's managed to do this. That Mercedes has been quicker than that, uh, than that, uh, that Aston since Baku easily. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, fair play. He's he's fought the tide so far as Alonso. Some excellent overtaking again. Uh, just fantastic stuff. Just. When when we thought Aston were kind of fading into obscurity, somehow he managed he's managed to pull this response. Yeah, as he does, always does. As he always does, indeed. Uh, so yeah, absolutely fantastic stuff from Alonso. Is there anything else you'd like to add on Alonso himself or Aston Martin no. as winners of the weekend? Because I think with uh, they managed to gain points on Ferrari, not many, but a few with that result, uh, with Alonso second and Sainz fifth. So they they kind of keep. They kind of keep Ferrari at bay. They're 14 points clear and they're 40 behind yeah. Mercedes. It's just a thing that Ferrari and Aston Martin are basically racing with one car this season. Because either Alonso's carrying Aston Martin's own and then it's always either one Ferrari's doing well and the other one's in the bin. So mm-hmm. that just seems to be this year's sort of um, outcome. So it's sort of whichever Ferrari driver turns up that weekend is for driving against Alonso, really. Or escapes damage or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I do think eventually this Ferrari thing will catch up to Aston. This 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 two-driver thing, it can't continue for Aston. That keeps them above Ferrari. At some point, it will eventually iron out. And Ferrari, I'd be shocked. It would be, that would be some achievement because it's basically, it's basically Alonso outscoring both Ferrari drivers, essentially. Like, there's a few chip-ins yeah. from Stroll, but... Other than that, like for if he if he managed to keep them ahead of Ferrari this season, that would be some achievement. It really would. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, we have to give a win of the weekend, however, to don't, the don't. boys in blue. No, not the boys in blue. Fuck off with that. <laughs> I'm giving it to Gasly, not the boys in blue. <laughs> Fuck off. Am I giving anything to Alpine? No way. No way. They don't deserve it. Here's the thing. We're we'll we'll talk about Gasly in a sec. Gasly got track position, okay, with the with the strategy call. Him and Joe yeah. obviously were among the early ones around with Perez. Uh, obviously, Joe fell into the pack as did Magnussen. Gasly, once he got there in wet and dry conditions, was quicker than the Ferrari. Yeah, I know. Arguably mm. the McLaren. Oh, easily the McLaren. Close on pace to the Aston. Yep. And that, by extension, is not a million miles away from Mercedes. And Mercedes will talk about it in more detail later, but. That car was legitimately in the mix with that with that top five. That we, if we were talking about Alpine at sixth, that car was in the mix with those top five or top rather rather sorry that second, third, fourth, and fifth rather 
that we've talked about this season at length with in Mercedes, Ferrari, and Aston and McLaren now. Yeah, it, it legit was, which was kind of surprising at this track of all tracks, mm. if I'm honest. But then again, it sort of makes sense with how tight and twisty Australia is. That was their last sort of standout performance for me. I'm not counting Monaco, Monaco's fluke. But in terms of if you've got a good car there, then you're basically on podium right, if you like, qualify on yeah, exactly. P3. Talking about an actual circuit where you can overtake, which we didn't think this was, to be fair. Um, but it, it's, it honestly surprised me and kind of annoyed me. But then again, where credit credit is due, where credit is due, Gasly had one of his best races I've seen in a long time. Yeah, um, it was Austria. It was what Australia should have been. Yes, I think the sort of redemption for that. And now, only Red Bull, um, Mercedes, and Alpine are the only three teams that got both drivers on the podium. Oh, that's wow. fucking shambles! Absolute shambles <laughs> from. from from Ferrari, because obviously science is yet to be on the podium. Yeah, and McLaren should have had a podium with uh, yeah, they should, they should Piastri have had two. in, in uh, Silverstone. But... Yeah, there was opportunity for two there. So, mm. yeah. But they're, they're, I think Ferrari and McLaren's second podium for their other two drivers is coming at some point. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, on that one. There's just too many races for it to strike out for it to not happen. Um, it strolled, just, yeah, just no point. Yeah, I mean, if he did, I'd be, be insane. Gas- I, would, I would actually end my life if Stroll gets the podium before science does. That, oh, my goodness. Wouldn't that be just a fishing Ferrari thing this season? That would really be Ferrari, like, fuck up a pit stop in Monza or something, and Stroll gets the podium. I'm going to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Gasly, though, like, I th- like obviously, he he got the track position and then lost to the science after speeding in the pit lane. Yep. So had to do the had to overtake science again, which he did in impressive fashion at uh, turn one, I believe. I think it was turn one he nailed him in the end. Yeah, it was. A couple of bites of the cherry there, but he eventually got that done. But yeah, Gasly, those like and obviously he got he got obviously he got the look with Perez with the the five second penalty to bump him up to 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 third. But obviously, like a really well executed race from the Alpine side of things. They did well for well on Gasly side of things rather. <laughs> uh, yes. Ocon's did not go to plan, but. Uh, Gasly, like I felt like once he got in that position, he felt it felt like he felt rejuvenated, and I think that maybe spurred him on. Spurred bit, him yeah. on. yeah, I completely agree. And he just found something in himself, and he got his first podium since um, obviously Baku twenty twenty one. So, and he was very fucking happy about it. Oh, very happy! <laughs> it was like he won the race. Yeah, basically. Um, I've not seen a driver that happy to be on the podium in a long time. He basically almost recreated his radio celebration in the post-race interview afterwards. Yeah, he did. So Let's go! He was very chuffed. And like, given the season that he's had, it's been kind of up and down. And like I said, the Australia one got away from him uh, for obviously, like obviously, the, yeah, for the reasons that were. Uh, do we do we still blame Ocon for that incident? Uh, which incident are you referring Aust- to? Australia, safety car restart. A bit of both. So. The result got away from him, regardless of whose fault it was. So, like, yeah, I think he, yeah, he very much earned this one. Uh, this was a lot more earned, I feel like, than uh, Ocon's was in Monaco. You could say for the reasons you mentioned that. Obviously, if you do as good result in qualifying, then it's difficult to displace you on on race Not impossible, of course, but a bit more difficult. Uh, Gasly moves above Ocon in the standings by one point. Yes, I saw that and I laughed for the top <laughs> ten. So he's now tenth on thirty-seven points. I don't know how I feel about 
I can't know. I'm. I guess I'm glad that the gap is now kind of a little bit more realistic in how even they've been. I don't know who deserves to be on top in this situation between Gasly and Ocon this season. Mm. It's one of those, like, have you ever had a situation like you're watching a football game? It's like, I hope both teams lose, but they can't, but they can't, like both teams can't lose. Yeah. It's a weird one. Like, I don't know who deserves this more. Um, maybe a draw on the season would be a fair result. I don't know. Uh, irrespective, they're still about. Well, that Gasly's now ten points shy of Stroll of all things. In fact, if Stroll finished twelfth this season, because Oscar Piastri is level on point with Ocon here as well. Yeah, wouldn't that be a, a, the weirdest thing? Like Alonso finishes. Imagine, imagine this: Alonso finishes third and Stroll finishes twelfth. That would be funny. That would be hilariously bad. Anyway. Uh, a good weekend though for again nothing changes for Alpine at all uh, and again like like the Ocon podium was at the time it was not in gal- like it wasn't a galvanised response to Lauren Rossi's comments at the time this is not a galvanised response to Alpine offing Safnar and Permain like this, those these two are not correlated like it's just it's oh just, they're going to take it is that yeah they do they will but uh, and even Gasly said that it shows Alpine are going in the right direction. Um, I think that is more so on track. And it's the culmination of what I've been saying for months at this stage, is that they're close. They've been close to the guys in front, but circumstance and all the things I mentioned before um, prevented them from reaching the potential that that car, I think, actually has. They showed it this this weekend in, in the Netherlands. They, they The things that I've talked about with them strategy driver car like driver being in the right place it all culminated in this in this event in in the netherlands i think it, these things they, they have the potential it actually kind of all came together finally this weekend yeah it really did so i you know i feel i i feel so conflicted because like i feel like I'm, i've been proved right with this alpine things like it, it's there when all these things come together as they did i'm really annoyed by that Hmm. I feel I feel happy in the sense that I've, you've you have a gut feeling with a thing and like yeah this is actually I was actually proved right in this case, but it's really annoying because I know I won't be there another week, and that's because of all these things that we talked about before like the drivers being inconsistent and being different versions of themselves in many ways and not a lead driver and all these things it's really annoying but uh, th- nevertheless it shouldn't take away from the, uh, what's been an excellent weekend for Pierre Gasly and, uh, and I guess with Gasly like this rejuvenation is kind of you know he's, he was on the sprint podium in Belgium as well like it's I guess it's not a a, a complete flash in the pan no no it's it's been there it's been coming hasn't it something's been building at least with Gasly let's so I'm interested to see if that sustains uh, I did find it funny though that uh, Toto Wolf again talked about uh, the weekend, or sorry, the Alpine thing, and talked about basically that this uh, this power defi- deficit's overblown, and I yeah. agree with them. <laughs> um, I, I agree plenty of what I disagree plenty of what Total Wolf says. I agree with him in this in this uh, scenario, and we can count Mercedes and Ferrari as teams who aren't buying into this Alpine thing. So we talked about Fred Vasseur's comments the other week on this. Yeah. Uh, I'll very, very quickly read comments on this uh, this matter from Wolf, written by Matt Key on motorsport.com. Uh, do, 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 if there's anything. Uh, on the subject of engines and this kind of thing, um, Wolf said, now we're not talking 2026, we're talking a minute to those regulations, and it's true, it's frozen. 
But Fred is absolutely right. We don't see anything close to three percent. Is what this the number? What the number I think is now has now been placed on this Alpine performance deficit. Three percent. We don't say anything close to three percent. Is what Total Wolf says. Wolf added that the rulebook could not be changed, quote, on the fly, end quote, and something that Renault, quote, need to sort out, end quote, independently. He said, number two, we cannot make up regulations on the fly just because someone doesn't perform. Therefore, if you're going to change them for the next cycle, then fine. But I think with that, with 3%, we are in a good place and certainly not fiddle with the PU or give them more fuel flow or any of these things. Work yourself out, and the same will be for us. I might be biting my tongue in three years. Work yourself out. Getting you're getting more dino time and sort it out. Mm-hmm. And I think he's right. Yeah. I, I like. I also like the self awareness that I like. I could bite myself for saying these things now when we screw up our engine potentially in three years. But sort <laughs> yourself out. So I like that from Wolf for a change. I like that self awareness. I think he's bang on in this in this scenario. Yeah, he is actually. So I had, I had that tab open from the weekend. I just wanted to mention that while we mentioned. Alpine. So we'll move on to Ocon at some stage as well. But uh, who else do you have as a winner of the weekend from this uh, for this Dutch Grand Prix? I feel like you can go in a whole bunch of different directions with this one. I'll be honest, I don't have many actual winners itself. I have a lot of mess because a lot of things went sort of not the way that I thought they would, but they're not had a bad weekend in the same respect. Um, but I'm going to put Albon in there. Yep. Um, it could have been more, yes. but they got the the uh, start of the race very very wrong and I would say they got bailed out yeah. by the, the safety car um, but that car looked very good and was insane in qualifying from what I saw yes in the, uh, they're probably down to a headwind in the right direction as to why things went so well for them uh, in qualifying which is bizarre because um, that car should not be able to go around corners right um, it's also the car they've <laughs> talked about in the past has been quite susceptible to the wind yeah, which is, it it just seems to be working. Everything just seems to be going right for Alex's side of the garage, anyway. Um, but I, I just couldn't follow him. He could have been a lot more, but still brought home the bacon for P8. It's a solid mm. weekend once again. I just think he, Alex, sort of alluded to the fact that it could have been a lot higher. Yeah, I, you say a lot higher. I think to be fair, like. P6. P6 P6 was what as what Val said as well really as well yeah. Albon did everything that he did he needed to do well, I think what he did excellently was yes Williams made the absolute wrong call to leave Albon out on tyres Val's talked about this at length talking about like basically he had to commit to it in a sense they yeah. did and they did so I think committing to it actually was their downfall and also to their rescue because they made somehow about all the rain and all the shy that went through they made they stuck Albon on those softs kept him on those softs it got them the track position back after the safety car for Sargent which we'll talk about later on as well so that actually worked out for them they went to mediums there was some confusion about whether they could go to another set of softs because they actually because obviously everyone else went to inters DRS had been disabled I actually don't know what the rule on this is if they they played it safe and went to mediums to fi- fulfill the tyre criteria but I don't know if said tyre criteria would need to be filled after, because the, they started on dries and then went to wet. It, it shouldn't. I think it shouldn't they would have been in their rights to go down to sauce, but they couldn't risk that, of course. Um, yeah. I guess right there is where you might see something like Williams falling short. A team like Mercedes or Aston Martin or something would, would, have, would be on this. They, they would know immediately. 
um, with regards to this rule about whether they could have done this or not. So I think that maybe that's an area that Williams could look to make up in because I think some a top team like Mercedes and Aston as well. I say Aston because when the remember when the Russell pen or when the uh, Alonso penalty for the pit stop went in. Remember how quickly they were on that and how many examples they had of that already ready to go. Yeah. That's that's the thing they they study that kind of thing so yeah they were gonna have that sat there ready to go. Bush, that really cost them six. If that if anything that cost them sixth rather than you know I don't think they lost out a ton. And um, could they even kept Hamilton away from sixth? I don't think so. I'd argue they the most they lost was the P seven to Norris. Yeah, and that's two points. But that wasn't Albon's fault. That was the team's call. Albon did everything brilliantly from Saturday to Sunday. I think he did extremely well and brought home four more points to break that tie with uh, Haas for 11 points for seventh place in the Constructors. To do that before they go to Monza, that's huge. They are openly... Yeah. They, I don't think they had any expectations heading into this weekend. They are openly expectant of Monza. They're, they've, they're talking already about Monza. They have big expectations there. Whether it works the, the, out, we'll see. But to get four points on the board before going there is huge for them. I think we can sort of have this conversation now. I think that car's the seventh quickest car now, comfortably. I think you're right. It's not. It, if it was just purely straight line circuits, then I'd be like, yeah, no, no. But the fact that it's done it on a a track that is purely downforce and was up in the top ten quite easily with both cars in qualifying. Um, I know it was a bit of a freaky session, but and some big hitters missed out. But they've still got at least they would have got at least that one in anyway. So, for me, that car is quite easily, based on how consistently it's in the points now, it is the seventh quickest car, without a doubt. Sometimes even to the sixth, if one of the big boys doesn't turn up, i.e. Alpine. Mostly Alpine, yeah. The only doubt I have is, what on earth was Alfa Romeo's hungry? I'm, I, if I could figure that out, and what they could have done in the race, had Joe not had the start that he had with the car issue, that's why, that's the only, because that was so bizarre, that double Alfa Romeo Q3 in Hungary that around a downforce related circuit they were both knocked out in Q1 in Zandvoort mm -hmm. I'm so I, I, I don't know what that was it must have it must have just been the tyres and the temps it must have been it just worked at the time for them in Hungary it has to have been other than that I completely agree with you with Williams for 7th because they, they do seem to be making the most of that situation with Albon's car anyway um, but yeah, we'll talk about Sargent in a bit, but four more points for Albon. I think he, yeah, just, he did the business. And the, yeah, Williams were bailed out by the Sargent, by the safety car. They they certainly were, because they were over a minute behind uh, when, you know, when the worst of it came with the, the rain and that kind of thing. They stuck out on, 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 the, uh, on the soft tires. Yeah. I am going to give other winners of the weekend to... I um, I'll give I've my winners now are kind of half based to an extent. Um, I'm going to give Lewis one. Hamilton a winner of the weekend of sorts for yes. salvaging P6 out of P13 in from qualifying. This Hamilton weekend has been a strange one. He came in very open and optimistic about the rest of the season, very confident, very confident with Hamilton, very out like a kind of confidence I haven't heard him speak about since 2021 about. Mercedes and how they should be given credit for where they are and if second place would be a success for them this season. All these weird things that go against the things that Mercedes have been saying for the last 18, 20 months. Yeah. And then Q2 happened where Hamilton was knocked out on merit. 
and <laughs> they they were saying they had the race car to challenge Verstappen on race day. I agree. I think they certainly were second best. Easily. So it's a weird one. And they got their they're losers for a lot of the weekend. Like Hamilton's a winner for getting sixth out of that. But in this, in a larger sense, they are losers the weekend for not extracting the maximum. Like they, Russell lost a podium. A, a, a podium, he said he was forecast during the race, which is a weird one. Um, they got their weather report all wrong, which was so weird because everyone gets the same weather uh, the radar. Yeah. And they got that wrong. They left both cars out. They were languishing nowhere. They were also bailed out by the safety car. So where they turned their early race to P6 with uh, Hamilton, arguably is a win from with context. It literally is. What do you make of Russell's weekend then? He started third. Arguably really should have been on the podium. It had the red Mercedes got their race right. Uh, what did you make of the Norris-Russell uh, contact that gave Russell a puncture that basically put him out of the race, essentially? Uh, we only got to see one angle of this, so uh, it was very minimal from what I saw. It was one of those, but you might know more on that than I do, because literally all we got to see was Norris's on board. Mm. Um, we literally saw nothing from Russell's perspective, and the contact I saw was literally a small tap. Yeah, pretty much. It, I think it, I think Russell also it was a racing incident. It, it, it was... It it was a weird one. What like it was the conditions sort of thrown into a little bit of understeering. Yeah, just unfortunate that that ended up in a puncture and certain other ones didn't. If you know what I mean, where we've had severe, more severe hits than that in the past, and it's literally done nothing. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's just one of those. There was an incident I was trying to think of where like I, I can't pinpoint it, but there was an incident where like their contact was barely negligible, and like it has such a profound effect on a... oh Brazil Ferrari. Oh, that, that did come to mind, yeah. yeah. That was such a minimal torch, yeah. Maybe but that's it what ended in such, such a catastrophe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, Wolf slammed the whole thing. Um, he said that they stayed out catastrophically too long, completely wrong. Um, well, they did. They, they were the, literally the last guys in and were basically... They were bailed out and bailed out and bailed out by that safety car. They were... Their races would have been done without the safety car. Yeah. Well, well, Wolf said, when it stings, it sticks. Yeah. Uh, he said it was basically it was good that it hurt. He's like, it's annoying because the car had really good pace. And then from there on, it was just recovering as good as we could. We saw at the end of the intermediates, Jordan had Max's pace and Lewis was very strong behind Sainz. We could have been much further ahead. Could have. Keyword. Yeah. And it's a weird one because... It's a rare, it's also a rare exception of Mercedes just completely getting it wrong. We talked about weeks, like a few weeks ago, even, even last week. If there was a team to capitalize on such a thing, we would have said Mercedes, because generally speaking, they get it right most of the time with the strategy. Yeah, if they'd have pulled the trigger first, I know their drivers were basically out of position, uh, Lewis was out of position, but if they brought Lewis in when Red Bull brought Perez in, then I think we're having a different conversation about the race result. I think you're personally. right. I th- that thought not, just struck me. No, I think I th- you're right. I think Max would probably still win, but it wouldn't have been... I'm not sure. Sim- I don't know. I, I don't think it would be as straightforward. I think it's a dogfight, and you know how Max will go around here of all places. So it would be a bit of a, a 2021 throwback. But um, yeah, I, I think Lewis would have been pushing him regardless. I don't think he would have had the speed to get past. 
But if he was in front, then it would have been very interesting. Mm. Very, very interesting. Because he would have easily pissed past Perez. Easily. Yeah. Mad Max is a different kind of fish. Especially Zambo. Like, Hamilton was really pent up in sixth place. Like, he was definitely oh, yeah. in science. He, he he would have got past science and he would have got past Gasly quite easily, I think. Yeah. It's just, it's just the nature of that Mercedes not being too efficient in the straight line, which is going to be very pronounced at Monza. Mm. Like okay. a lot of teams, I think, actually. Yes, it could be a very interesting weekend from that point of view. I think there could be a... So- like again, we we'll talk about Monza preview pretty much, but we could be talking about a surprise podium for a Williams. Maybe it could, yeah. it could happen. It really could. Uh, yeah, so like a winner for Salvage P six out of that, but they got very lucky in, in many ways, and they lost some. Hamilton lost a little bit of ground with Alonso. I think we'll see if he can pull it back in first third in the championship. I oh, know he will. He will. In theory, he should because I definitely think that was arguably comfortably the second quickest car this weekend. That Mercedes. In the hands of Lewis, yeah. Mm. They went well at this track last year too. Like they were in the mix for the win there as well. I think they got a double podium out of that race as well. Or did the clerk sneak in uh, for a third? I think they were. Their both cars were very strong here last year too. With, with that struggling Mercedes concept. Yeah. So I think they. It's, it'll sting for them. I think they let a really good one go. Hamilton in qualifying didn't help himself. On race day, Mercedes didn't help anyone. Yeah, basically. So that was I think the Russell thing was a racing incident. Uh, kind of middle of the road, not really winners of the week. Actually, I'd argue Carlos Sainz was a winner of the weekend for how he I was going to say, Carlos was the last winner for me. Mm-hmm. He did very well, considering um, that car was not. It was the fourth quickest, even fifth quickest. No, it was... Sainz what, himself Bull, said it was sixth quickest. Red Bull, Mercedes, Aston, Alpine. He was fifth quickest in that car. Fifth quickest. So, fifth place suits, I guess. <laughs> um... Yeah, it it was, he was lucky to finish where he did. Very lucky. He um, was, yes. But I think but he drove very, very well. He drove to the fifth place, so I'm not going to slander him because of it. Um, once again, being consistent, so, and not sort of being all or nothing like the clerk has been this season. To, so I can't really fault him in that, in that sense. Um but there, there literally isn't much to say on science. No, there very... is. This is the thing. Like, there's the. I've lots to say and read about Ferrari, but they do not surround around science. It, it revolves around Leclerc more so, and the conversations around Leclerc's weekend and Leclerc's comments and these kinds of things. Yeah. So science did an excellent job to finish where he finished. Pretty much. I don't have much more to say than about than that. Uh, he moves back ahead of Leclerc in the standings as well. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So, but he was excellent and. Yeah, I think he's very much deserving of a winner of the weekend. Others I throw in the mix here in betweens, is not but not losers. Uh, McLaren. Yeah, both McLarens. Yeah. They well, the yeah, they did well to get what they got seventh yeah, yeah, and ninth, points. but they definitely got like obviously they started P two with Norris, who didn't have the best Q three lap. Whether that mattered or not isn't really doesn't really matter. I don't think he's he didn't cost him P two for instance in qualifying. He did an excellent job. Uh, even still, so he got P2 in qualifying. McLaren did not get the call right. That cost them. Did it cost them a podium? Maybe. No. It probably, like, you could no, argue no, maybe. No. no. They, they were slower. They were the sixth quickest team that weekend, I thought. I'm not sure. On I, race pace. On race pace. We didn't really get to see a lot of it, I think, properly. Because they, they got I, I a lot of things wrong. Yeah, and I don't think they would have had the call to overtake. 
as easily as say the Mercedes was, and that was proven with Lewis sort of being behind Norris and then ended up in front of him. Um, so when he got to Norris, Norris wouldn't have Norris got sort of stuck behind Yuki, didn't he? And then sort of went a bit earlier, and Lewis stayed out a bit longer. And yeah, it was it was they were coming through the pack steadily, but Yuki sort of held them up a little bit. They were very like there was a race long duel basically between Hamilton and Norris for a lot of that race. Hamilton yeah. eventually came out on top on that one. So the pace I think was close between those two. I think maybe the more accurate maybe would be between McLaren and Aston for third quickest yeah. car. Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely think they were quicker than Ferrari, and they obviously I think they were quicker than the Alpine. But uh, Gasly c- came together, pulled out a great race. Science pulled together a great race, and just yeah, the track position went again went against Norris after the uh, strategy foibles. So I think they did well to get double points finish in the end. But I think they could again. They could very similar to Mercedes. I think they could have got more from us. I think similar to Albon as well. Like they did well to finish where they finished, despite getting it wrong. Mm. I think Ocon did well to finish where he finished in tenth. After yeah. uh, he was very angry with Alpine's decision to put him on the full wets, very angry both before and after the red flag, and mm. he was right to be because. We know with this wet weather tire, the full wet, it is useless on track in racing conditions. It is essentially a safety car tire and a tire that you use when the safety car is deployed. By Ocon's logic, and he's right, if they would have driven until the safety car would have came out with that, uh, with the Inter, they would have been like, if the safe, if they're driving to the wet weather tire, then by extension, the safety car would be out. And the safety car is out, then they could pitch onto that tire. And he's annoyed that they pitched onto that tire and lost all that performance before that decision being made for them with the safety car or a red flag being thrown, as it eventually was. So I think he's right to be pissed off as he is to be put on it because if basically the drivers are in the opinion they shouldn't be put onto that tire unless they're forced to. And if they're forced to, they have the time to make a free stop. Pretty much. So I think he did well to get a point out of all yeah, that despite really that. Uh, very much so. so I think I think that is very much the case so I think he did well to get a point out of that I think Huckerberg did well to get P12 out of that Haas yeah I think as well Sonoda really should have been the winner of the weekend he should have got points AlphaTauri screwed him with the strategy by leaving him out yeah basically he should why have... did he drop down there by the way they didn't show us that uh, a collision with Russell before the red flag I believe Oh, yeah, he came out with a penalty, didn't he? So that's why Sonoda finished ahead of another person you could put in this category, Liam Lawson. Mm-hmm. Lawson had... It was a good weekend for him. A, he got all the running in, all the laps. That was huge, especially after getting... Obviously, you need FP3, and he was knocked out in Q1, so he lost out on that running as well. Uh, his race... His pace was solid, I thought. Um, rightly kind of towards the back. A few things broke his way that kind of... Menti finished in 13th, obviously, is finishing ahead of his teammates, the penalty being the thing. But his pace, I thought, on the Inters to start that final stint after the red flag was actually quite strong. He was right there at Yuki. So I think all things considered, very challenging conditions, obviously, wet, dry, and monsoon, and dry tires on a wet track, etc. I think he, he can hold his head high from this situation. Let's see where this progresses. He's already confirmed to be in the car for Monza. They're targeting Singapore as the comeback for Ricardo. Yeah. So we'll see. Which is, 
I don't know. I think Singapore is a bit too soon, personally. I think you wait yeah. for Japan. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he got back in before before that at Singapore. There's, there's no point rushing rushing that kind of. Singapore is one of them races where I just wouldn't rush it. Japan is not as strenuous in terms of heat and 14 million corners. Yeah, well, we said this, and Alex Alba made his comeback at Singapore from uh, Appendix last year. Yeah, that is true. That was pretty ballsy, so we'll see. We'll see on when it comes to that. But Lawson, I think, equipped himself pretty well and certainly helped his stock this weekend rather than hindered it, which he could, which he could have easily done. Yeah. Uh, I've nothing to say on the likes of Piastri either, like kind of similar to Norris in, in that sense, so kind of nothing to say on that. Uh, Stroll had an okay race, but again was kind of nowhere for a lot of it, and strategy didn't always go his way either. Mm-hmm. He finished 11th. As Joe was having a good race, and then uh, Aquaplanes. Yeah. Uh, kind of, again, with Magnussen kind of fell out of the equation. Aquaplane in turn one that brought out the uh, safety car and then obviously subsequently the red flag came out for that. So Bottas was fine. Nothing spectacular, nothing terrible, nothing great either. Magnussen, I have a more kind of time believing that it kind of could shift more loser side of things because he, he, he had track position. And we've seen in the past has struggled with track position, but Hulkenberg managed to hold on in the sprint in Austria for some points. I think he could have maybe held on to some points if, if he the was the aggressive reverse. driver. Yeah, if if he was the aggressive driver that I know he can be, then he would have held on. I think, but apparently not. So rough one for Magnussen on that side of things. Sergeant, the crash. Oh, here's the thing: was I should have put Sergeant as a loser of the weekend because. The good he did to get through the Q3 for the first time on Merish. Do you know the stat for the, the Q3 thing? Uh, no. So first Q3, double Q3 appearance for Williams since like Monza 2017. Yeah. And the first American driver in the top 10 since Michael Andretti 30 years ago. Not Scott Speed? No, not the top 10. <laughs> Surprisingly. I know, right? Shocking. And then he went and crashed in Q3. I was like, oh, that's like, oh, that just undid everything he just did. But whatever, race day is a new day. Uh, then obviously he got shafted by the Williams strategy. And then loss of hydraulics over the curb is what caused mm. him the crash. Yeah. So okay. the, so it wasn't wasn't his fault, so to speak, because he'd taken that curb multiple laps beforehand as well. Mm. So not his fault. But it's such a shame because he does this really good thing. And it's... He made a breakthrough, and now he's back to square one. Yeah, it feels like. Good, yeah, and he remained out on track for a very long time to be with his thoughts, and then during the red flag, eventually came back to the garage. Mm. He just didn't. He just seemed like someone who was really searching, someone who was just in, ah, just just trying to process and deal and. I just it looked rough like it, it just looks increasingly forlorn doesn't he he does um, which I think leads us on to the only real loser of the weekend which I think is Charlie Leclerc unfortunately yes which is rather annoying if I don't say so myself but um, obviously a dump which is just the normal at this point for a Ferrari in a Grand Prix or something going catastrophically wrong. Um, was down to 
damage from that was sustained on the first lap with contact with who was it? I think I believe it's Oscar Piastri. Yeah, front wing end plane ended up going under the floor and then damaging most of the floor apparently, which then basically gave the car no pace. I don't know why they didn't retire it earlier. To be honest, mm-hmm. it made no sense to carry on when it was dropping like a stone. Um, you know, being overtaken by everybody. Yeah. So it just should have just called it quits and saved the engine for Monza, where no doubt we'll end up getting an engine penalty for some reason. Um, but yeah, another done for Leclerc. Just another terrible weekend in that sense. My um, my loser stuff with Ferrari and the Clark is not so much the Sunday itself. That wasn't ideal. It's now everything they we know surrounding this car. And it's a really weird thing because everyone's saying different things. Heading into the weekend, Sainz said the inconsistency is something intrinsic, something we don't fully understand. Then Ferrari themselves went out and said they're crystal clear. That was their quote. Crystal clear about the car's weaknesses. And uh, Enrico Cardile, the head of Chassis, uh, this is from racefans.net and Will Wood, they said, what the weaknesses are is clear. It's not a matter of our understanding of what we should do. So they, they feel like they know, but the drivers feel like they don't. After the, after the, the crash for Leclerc in Q3, he talked about he has no idea how the Ferrari behaves. Everyone just feels so lost and confused about, and they don't know, and it comes back to what Leclerc said earlier in the season, corner to corner, this car feels so different and they have zero understanding of it. At least with 2020, they knew where the car stood. We, they knew it was slow on a straight line. Leclerc still had yeah. some great performances with that car. They just have, I just feel like they have no idea what to expect. Either driver knows what to expect with this car from corner to corner. And that's making things so confusing. And yet Ferrari are saying they know what the weaknesses of the car are. It's, 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 it's mind-boggling. This is why I had them lose at the weekend. It's not so much what happened on the week, like from on race day itself. It's all these other things going on around it. It's just no one seems to know anything so far into the season yet, and yet know everything at the same time. It's, it's so weird. It's just the normal for Ferrari at this point. It really is. They just seem to sell these things that make them look good and then it comes down to the actual understanding of everything and then they just seem to go la 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 and not, not pay any attention to it and just carry on regardless so yeah. it's very infuriating as a Ferrari fan let me read the quote from the clerk it's from MacHughMosmore.com uh, about all of this the um, clerk the quote the clerk has quote zero idea end quote how the Ferrari will behave through corners uh, and the clerk said, it's, it's just the car this weekend that is extremely difficult to drive. In Formula 1, it's all about anticipating and knowing what balance you're going to get once you get into the corner. At the moment, I'm getting into the corner and I have zero idea whether I'm going to have huge understeer, huge oversteer. That makes it very, very difficult for us. So it's been a very difficult weekend until now. This is all before race day, by the way. Um, this is after qualifying. Leclerc went on to say, it's one of those weekends where the car is extremely difficult to drive. Since FP1, we've been struggling in turn 1, 9 and 10. We change the car completely, and honestly, there's not much that helps us in these co- in these three corners. There are corners that you go into the corner, you're releasing the brake. There's absolutely no grip in mid-corner for whatever reason. Then you're just trusting the car and gripping again in the exit, which it didn't on that lap. I obviously ended up in the wall. And based on the things that Enrico uh, Cardano just said, on those comments about knowing the understanding, um, Leclerc said, it's great to hear that, and obviously I can't wait. But I got for first I got a season to finish in twenty three, 
but we can only go in another direction because at the moment, honestly, the car is really, really difficult to drive. It's very, very difficult to be on the limits. As soon as you get close to the limit, you really just don't know what's going to happen. So it's a difficult situation. So, it really is. Um, it's really, really annoying me, I won't lie. Yeah, and Sainz was, like, said afterwards, like, it was the sixth fastest car on the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, that was a spite. Uh, well, you know, he said, a, he said, he said he's very happy to have a, and proud to have a well-executed P5. He said he's one of his best drives of the season. And I think he's right. Yeah. But yeah, just very weird stuff. Almost as weird as the Lance Stroll wanting to quit F1 to play tennis rumours. Did you hear about this? Yeah. That's a very bizarre one, but... One that he laughed off during the uh, the weekend as well. <laughs> Imagine. Um, yeah, so... Imagine he actually ends up like becoming like the world number one in tennis. <laughs> also, it was funny that, that would be funny. It's also funny that he said, like, Crofty, that he said that I came up with that. Someone that came up with that. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, there you go. I think that mostly covers the Dutch Grand Prix. Is there anything else you'd like to add from the weekend other than a race racing? No, actually, no. A very entertaining thing. affair. What would you yeah. give the weekend on the whole? We're getting our first 8 plus, Graham. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm going to go 8.8. 8.8. How Robert Kibitza of you. I, I think it would have been more if we had a different race winner. I think that's the only thing that doesn't make it a nine. I agree. And I go eight and yeah. a half for that reason. Yeah. It's very, very fun to watch. Yeah. Best and even Best race yeah. of the season so far. Oh, fucking easily. Yeah. I, I I could not have picked a better race to sit there and watch, if I'm honest. It was a classic, I would say, actually. A classic I love them races where it's wet, dry, wet. Really fun. Yeah, I do too. It's much more entertaining than the dry, the wet to dry races. We talked about that when we had Monaco this year as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I am getting a little bit sick of rain. I won't lie, but um, yeah, just uh, just purely because of Pirelli. But that was the same thing mm. last season. Yeah, swings are random, isn't it? Like there was a period for a few years we barely got any rain affected races and that kind of thing or sessions. Yeah. It was uh, it was a bizarre one, but yeah, I know what you mean. We'll see what the forecast says for Monza, but yeah, I think uh, an excellent race, race has seen so far. Wouldn't surprise me if that went down as the race of the season when it's all said and done. Yeah, okay. I, 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 to be honest, I think it will go down as the race of the season. Yeah, well, it's a high bar I set now at this stage, so we'll see what follows it. Uh, do you want to talk about F2 very quickly before we move on? I did not get a chance to watch the F2, but I know what happened. So, so yes, we can fire away. The The... Well, there's nothing to say about the Saturday because of the washout. And this this pisses me off, this format of F2, because it's changed recently. We have F2 sprint before qualifying for F1. Yeah. I would like to see this changed back to what it used to be as the event after qualifying. It should be, like it used to be, yeah. Because we had this stupid situation where we were washed out due to time constraints for F2. And you look at the F1 qualifying afterwards, we got to dries. There was no good reason not to have F2 on. No, there really wasn't. But we're washed out, so that's it. It's done. Yay. And I didn't like that. So that was annoying, but it did bail out Theo Porcher, who had a car issue, which meant he couldn't take his reverse pole. 
And so the likes of Vesti, etc., all those other championship competitors were in the top 10 for the sprint. And Porcher was off the hook for that one. Well, off the hook, yeah. it wasn't his fault. And then the feature race came and no one wanted to do anything. Oh, so where do we start with this? Iwasa was already on the back foot dealing with a five, a three-place grid penalty from the Hauger accident from, uh, from Spa and didn't get himself into the top 10 reverse anyway. So he was on the back foot. So he was anonymous for the weekend as a result of that. Uh, who uh, Doohan spun before the race even began on the because they <clears> went for a rolling start. It was a wet, that, or it was a damp track, and they were on dry tires, with the exceptions of like Boshong and Leclerc and a few others like that. But it was, it was dry tires for most of the people, most of the most of the grid. Uh, Doohan spun on the banking before the race officially began, so he was out before the race even started. Vesti spun in turn one from third. So he was out of the equation. He was in the race, but he was out of the points. Behrman got T-boned by Correa. So that put him out of it. Uh, Porcher then, after all of this, uh, effectively took the net race second or the race lead. One of the two. He's basically on hand to score big points while all those championship rivals were either out of the race or fumbled. Um... Fred Vest, who came first in this? Who was who was the first one that went? Um, I think Fred Vesti went first when he pit, and his two wheels came off the car. <laughs> the the two, seen that in a long time. The two rear wheels, very odd, very bizarre situation. It's one. It's one thing for one tire to go missing, not two, not two, and especially on the rear. Yeah, I think in part created by the pressure of the double stack that had to take place for Behrman. So that went off, and then Porcher went off on his outlap, then on his pit stop, and then crashed out of the race as well. And then Martin's got himself a penalty for riding Behrman too high on the exit of turn three. Not the first penalty Martin's has gotten for riding someone off of turn three. He did an F3 as well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So he finished ninth in the end. So no one gained anything of anything in the championship standings. Everyone in the top four was completely pointless. Uh, Martins gained two points on Dewan for fourth. That is it. That's all that happened for the title race in uh, in in uh, in Zandvoort. I feel, but I feel like everyone came away a loser. Like every like except Novel. <laughs> Yeah, Novelak, <laughs> like sorry, of the title of the title contest. I mean, everyone was a loser. Like, oh yeah, Porcher missed his chance because he blew it. Vesti blew it himself, and then the team blew it for him. Iwasa wasn't anywhere near anything, and Doom blew the race himself before the race even began. <laughs> and Martins missed the chance to get some points, and like, but maybe like he could be equal with Doom. So like, I've, but ultimately, I think Porcher and Vesti, I think, will be fine. Because they leave as they both missed opportunities, yes, but they are as they were. The big loser is Doohan. It really is because he needed every single race when he could get, and he's he just had one off the tail before the race even began on a day where everyone in front of him and around him completely fumbled it. They really did. <laughs> so that's devastating. Yeah. Porcher still leads the championship. His gripe, his thing is he misses the chance to extend it by 15 or so points. He could have a 30-plus point lead. He doesn't. Uh, Vesti could easily be back in front of the championship. He isn't. And Iwasa could easily have the same, be back in the mix. He's not. Hmm. So 
yeah, and Martin's obviously missed out as well. So, yeah. In the end, uh, well, who actually got the spoil? So, yeah, Novelak took his t- total from 2 points to 28, moved to whopping 17th in the standings. So, well done to him. Uh, Maloney finished second. So, he goes up to ninth in the standings. And Jack Crawford got his uh, his uh, first uh, podium of the season, or feature race. So, he's up to uh, 11th. I've actually been watching a lot of Hannibal recently on Netflix, so Jack Crawford's in, a name in my mind at the moment. So if you watch Hannibal or read Silence of the Lambs or Red Dragon, shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, what a weird weekend, man. It was such a weird one for the title race, but it helps Porcher and Vesti, I guess, because the less races for Iwasa and Martins and Dune and Behrman, the better. Yeah. So, yeah. Technically... If things go really well, poor chair could clinch this in Monza, but he needs a a full sweep essentially. Absolutely. Anyway, um, that's all I have to say on F two. Really, that was this is a madish. Like that was it. Like other than Novak's the thirteenth winner we've had this year. Love that. Which is pretty nutty. Yeah, love that. A uh, track he got. Us, didn't he get a podium around here last year as well? I want to say yes. I think he did. If not in F two, then definitely in F. No, yes, no. I think he did get one in F3 as well. Yeah. Um, Novelak, Zanvors. He got a a sprint race podium. Yeah. Not a feature race one. That's what it was. I knew I remember that from somewhere. Anyway, that's all I have to add on on F2, unless you have anything to add on on that as well. No, because I've not watched it, but I'm definitely going to watch it. Here's the thing. The first 15 laps are absolute madness. When the race settles down, there's not a lot after that. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So that's... After that's... a Zanvor normally is shite. Yeah. F1 of Zanvor is normally shite. So... Yeah, two extremes. Very much so. F3, though. Fun. But what series isn't there this weekend? F3. Yay. It felt empty not having F3 there. It was very strange. Yeah, but I can understand why they did it because there was literally nowhere for them fucking to go. So It's not something for doing <laughs> double weekends in the past. No, but I think they sort of realised. Maybe, maybe. Uh, do you want to talk about IndyCar very right quick? Um, let's so about... Oh! I know you have some other... You know you have another thing to add as well. We'll get to that. Yeah, no, I just... I completely forgot about it. Yeah, I'd, I'd, had, I'd have remembered it. Uh, yes. IndyCar very quickly. Uh, Marcus Ericsson going to Andretti... Confirmed. Why? It's such a strange one, isn't it? Why? But I'm all for it if that means that Arlott now has the choice between Andretti and uh, Ganassi. So, or so Aaron with... McLaren, of course, because we still believe that Rosenquist is basically told he could find a drive somewhere else. Yeah. So that basically means that Malukas and Arlott have got the pick between the top three teams. Yeah. Which well, we've, well, Malukas we think is already for Andretti, which squeezes Grosjean out. Yeah, yeah. If McCann had up with fucking Grosjean, I swear to God. It would oh, be a, it would, I can't be doing that. I, I will be sad if the... I, I don't know. I think Grosjean is... I feel like Grosjean's out... Not, he's, he's worn out his welcome, I think, in in, F, in a IndyCar in some regards. I think he'll be still on the grid, whether that's a Meyer Shank or something or... No, I, th- I think he's going to go and do the Lamborghini thing or full-time. You think that'll be full-time? Yeah, yeah. Go back to Europe and do that. Well, I say it's Europe. It's not technically, but he would be going back to live in Europe, should I say. But he's just moved um, recently from a lot of bits to Miami and he's been flying and shit. True. 
Yeah, that's how him and Alexander Rossi fixed their relationship. I know, I saw that. I was like, to fly. wow, that's crazy. Yeah, learning to fly together. Which is interesting, but I suppose that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not, not a fan of Ericsson going to Andretti. That's, that's really strange. I think it's a great get for Andretti. Oh, yeah, no, it's a great get for Andretti, but I just don't care why you'd leave the best team. Oh, yeah, makes, or a second best no yeah. sense. Yeah, it's the second best team on average. We both think Penske is top, yeah. Penske is still, for me, the top because it's consistently got the those three cars up there. Hmm. Whereas um, Ganassi sort of depends because they've sort of got one car that's never really quite there. Same with Andre. It's always either Grosjean or fucking Definitely Di Francesco. Francesco yeah. yeah, well, Di Francesco needs to get binned off, and I'm sure he's going well, to be Well, he is, isn't he? Like, because it's, next year it's going to be Kirkwood, uh, Hersher, Kirkwood's elite driver, Ericsson, and likely Malukas at this stage. Which is a great lineup. It is a good lineup. Yeah, yeah that's very exciting. good lineup. Yeah, and then if McLaren end up with the experience of Rossi, the mid-term of Pato, and then the youngster in Ireland, then that's a great lineup. And they're still debating where to have the fourth car as well. Yeah, I don't think they will. Not this year. Not based on if they if they don't get a win, then I very much doubt they will. But um, and then you end up with Ganassi with Polo, we imagine Dixon, um, Armstrong. And then, oh, I've seen blooming rumours of Ferrucci, which I'm not a fan of. God, I hope not. That would be horrific. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that, if I'm honest. But then again, there is rumours of um, Linus Lungfist as well. So I'd Yeah, well, speaking of that, Meyer Sch- Pagano's out for the rest of the season and Blomquist is going to be in for the last two races here for Meyer Shank. Yeah, that injury is a lot more serious than I first thought. Yeah, I thought he'd be back, but no, apparently not. Yeah, after a couple, but it must be something to do with his back or something. Meyer Shank um, could use with uh, tweaking a lot of their lineup. I think Grosjean would slide nicely there, but wasn't he there before already? Or was that <clears> Dale Coyne? Yeah, it was Dale Coyne. Marshank could use a Grosjean. I think that would fish. If he if he's gonna go anyway, I reckon he goes back to Dale Coin. That would make sense because obviously they're gonna lose Malukas anyway. A straight swap mm. would make sense. Yeah, um, I think so. Of course, um, the Oval Merchant made his return this weekend as well, Mister Ed Carpenter. Oh yeah, and then immediately took out Flippin Pedersen <laughs> <laughs> immediately. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that was, other than like on the weekend, like basically Dixon can't put himself sort of back in contention, not really. No, there's two races to go, uh, but sort of made it go for another race. Yeah, and new guy and put himself out of it. Lost himself the chance to do the unthinkable in IndyCar history and win all the oval races in a year. That I'm, would be mental. I'm kind of sad he didn't do it. Yeah, I didn't even won. Was it him who won last year? At that place, or was it? Yeah, I believe he won. The, I think he's won a couple of the ones at the end of the season as well. Yeah, I, I very much re- remember him winning the I'm, end of the ones. Because I'm pretty sure he won the two Iowa ones, and obviously he yeah, won he Gateway. Yeah, I'm. I'm very disappointed. I've not been able to watch as much IndyCar this year. Very disappointed. But saying that, it doesn't sound. You like did. Been the, you didn't really. Well, it's been Polo domination, and then there's been a few Scott Dixon wins recently here as well. Yeah, and we go to an oval is new gone. So, yeah. It has been somewhat predictable, other than the Indy New Garden and a couple of these other ones, yeah, but what we've got left, yeah, Laguna Seca and what's the second last race? 
Port? No. Is it Portland? I want to say Portland, but I want to say I'm wrong. IndyCar app, where are you? Yeah, fire it up right quick. I'm still pissed off a Sato man for a high loss. Yeah, Portland. It is Portland, okay. But is that the track the Formula E was on earlier this year? No. No, I don't oh, think so. Oh, it might be a comp- Yeah, it might be um, similar, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting stuff. Yeah, season's winding down now. Uh, Pelot's got a chance to close this out. Amid his uh, contract and McLaren suing, etc., he did speak publicly for the first time on us. He said it was just sad, this situation. I reckon there's a lot of details that are going to come out next year about this situation. He alluded to of something of a sort of that did yeah. uh, Pelot. He's been tight lipped in this situation. We did give a few little things. So I think there's, yeah, well, there's a lot to come out of the situation that we don't know yet. So I'm excited to see when that eventually happens. Yeah. Anyway, shall we preview the Italian Grand Prix quickly? Yes, and I'll do my thing last because it's not really important at all. Oh, it could be, you know, be a fun thing to end this. Yeah, end it, it literally means nothing. It's literally going to be a one-sentence thing. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, Italian Grand Prix now... Obviously, Red Bull will do their thing here with their straight line speed and DRS advantage. Okay, we'll, we'll sort that out. Who is next? Who is after Red Bull? Because this wouldn't be a... Well, we're going to see what McLaren, how much McLaren have learned since Spa. Yeah. Because obviously that was disaster for their, their wing. So well, let's see what they've learned. If they can get it right, they should nab big points here. If they can get on top of it. We're mm-hmm. going to find out how wrong... If they if they get right, they're going to absolutely smash it. They're going to take home third and fourth. Maybe even second and third, depending if Perez stumbles. But the car advantage, I think, should be so big this weekend, I think he should be fine for a second place. So there's that. Ferrari? I don't know. They looked... They were good in Belgium with Leclerc. Sainz, I think, would have been strong too. This could be a good weekend for them. They could get back on the podium. It could happen. I expect Aston and Mercedes to struggle here somewhat. Yeah, I definitely see that happening. <laughs> Aston, Mercedes and McLaren will struggle here massively. Now, in saying Mercedes, Hamil- there is very little to separate Hamilton and Leclerc and Spa. That is true. Now, in, is sa- true. in saying that, there are fewer aerodynamic components to, to Monza than there are to Spa. Hmm. So let's see how well that works for and against each of Ferrari and uh, Mercedes. The wild card, of course, is Williams. Yeah. If they're stuck behind them, then they've fucked it. <laughs> Basically, it's, yeah. is my outlook. Whoever, whoever gets behind that Williams, you ain't getting past unless you undercut. And even then, I think the Williams are still blast past you. I think Williams' success isn't. Largely key on a clean Saturday. They need a clean, dry Saturday. Basically, and not to have the shenanigans that we've had in the last few qualifying sessions. Mister Monza. Yeah, yeah, very much so. They need to get their business done and get it done early, which is the big thing in F two that we saw in in Zambors. You need to get your business done early before red flags or shenanigans ensue. If they can do that with Albon, they've got. Big chance for big points, I think. Again, there's a few unknown variables with uh, McLaren, I think, and Ferrari, and Mercedes to an extent. Yeah. But they could be, and for big points here, we could be talking about a surprise of the season podium for Albon here. I think it could happen. Yeah. 
I'm not going to ride as high, but I agree. They need to hope that their tyre issues that they that struck them at Belgium don't strike again here. Yeah, I don't think they will because, yeah, unless it's like 90 million degrees. Mm, right, in theory, yeah, that's the thing. There's so few corners here that how could you be harsh or on your tyres here? Let's put it this way. If De Vries can get a podium and a worse, uh, points in a worse car, then surely Albon can get at least a top five. That's my outlook on this. Top seven has to be the minimum aim for Williams for Albon here. Yeah, I would be disappointed. I think they would be disappointed as well. Yeah, if I was them, I'd be very disappointed. I think they're, like, obviously, the where the Ferrari, McLaren, etc. aspect is always fun. Like, Alpine, we'll see what... The, uh, let's see how big their deficit in the straight line really is. Do you think they turn down their engines for the sake of proving a point? That wouldn't surprise me. Because I think... I, I, I'm a, I agree with Wolf. I think they're, they're not, it's not as bad as it seems. And this has been a track for them in the past that's been quite good. Yeah. I actually want to check where they finished last year because the engine freeze would just be in place by this point. Because hmm. it was September 1st last year was the, uh, was the deadline for the rest of the components. Yeah. So let's have a look-see, shall we? <laughs> Um, but this Williams aspect, I think it could be the most crucial for a really fun weekend in Monza. I think we could give, I think we're in for a good race here. I really do. Oh my God. Okay. We've got an interesting new IndyCar thing. Just just pop through. Oh, hit me as I look for this, uh, result from last year from, uh, for, for Italy. Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan announces that Yuri Vips will pilot the number 30 for the final two races in 2022. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Okay, I'm on board with that. I can get on board with that. Yeah, continued F2 trend. Sorry to interrupt the uh, Williams yeah. stuff there, but I sort of had to bounce on that. No, that's good shit. I like it. I'm fascinated. What is what is he do? He has done some testing, hasn't he? Yeah, no, he has been doing testing, yeah. Him and Since Schwartzman then. have. Yeah. Oh, get Schwartzman in there, please. Yeah. Okay. That would be very interesting to have Lungard... Armstrong, Isla, Schwarzman, Schwarzman, <laughs> Vibs, I mean. Yeah. All thrown into the mix. All left two guys. Yeah. That'd be great. It's, this trend is becoming a lot more frequent now. Drugovich. <laughs> I thought and Lungard really did pave the way, didn't they? They really did. <sighs> love them for it. Absolutely love them for it. Uh, last year, by the way, Alpine finished 11th and Alonso was a DNF, of course, but he was running like seventh or eighth yeah when that occurred so I don't know man funny it is going to be funny isn't it I think they're going to prove a point but we'll see um, anyway yeah what else are you looking forward to like I think we, we I think we're both in agreement that Williams is the most fun aspect of this weekend yeah I do not care for Haas Alfa Romeo no. uh, we would be looking at Lawson obviously yeah and Yuki just needs to be in front of him, I guess. That's just the minimum at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, whether Stroll can actually turn up at one of his, I would say, his better tracks, personally. I think she thinks he's a good shout for he gets knocked out in Q1 here. Yeah, yeah, he just goes well in the race here, I think. So Because I just see him locking up at turn one, which mm -hmm. is quite common. Um, I, I, just, I hope McLaren sort of bounce back, but I don't think they will. You don't think they've um, solved their rear wing issues? No, 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 no. Definitely not. They'll they won't get points. I'm a bit very wow. surprised. Okay. 
Yeah, just based on Belgium win. I'm with you in the sense, like I think if they score points, they're scoring big points. If they're not, they're yeah. out of the points. Pretty much. And all those teams, like the Williams, um, maybe even Alpine. I, I still think they're fine. I think I still think they're Alpine are a good. Sport, Alpine yeah. will be in front of the McLaren in a straight line. Don't you worry about that one, Sunshine. Oh wow. Okay, that's a big one. I, 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 I genuinely do think they're in front of him in terms of straight line speed, which is weird. Considering they have a deficit, but you won't. Whatever. <laughs> a legend deficit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, that's literally it. Uh, apart from the amazing Ferrari livery that we're going to get. Did you see the merch? I've seen. I've seen. I've seen. You've seen the merch. I definitely didn't pre-order it. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I actually think there's reason for Ferrari optimism this weekend. Yeah, not massively. I've put so Ferrari merch. I was like, yes, I need this. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. It does look good. I will give. I will give you that. It does. I, I did. I did mention this a few months, uh, a few weeks ago that it was teased. So they're running the. Uh, Le Mans, are they rumored to be running the Le Mans livery? Aren't they? Yeah, that well, that's what the merch is. So in the race suits. So I assume we'll get some form of at least a tribute on the main livery anyway. If we don't get anything else. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Uh, to, to, to do yeah, so I'm I'm just excited for that point of view. The Williams angle, the who figures into where between Aston, Alpine, McLaren, uh, Ferrari, etc., Mercedes should be very fun. The AlphaTauri dynamic, I'll see how that looks like over an, a, 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 a normal weekend. A full weekend, yes, and that too, a proper yeah. race weekend. A Detroit that he's got more experience out than Zandvoort. Hmm. Is this make or break for Logan Sargent's season right here, right now? Maybe, maybe other than Vegas. But maybe Vegas could even arguably be seen as too late. Is this the one? Does Logan Sargent score his first F1 points here? Does he need to score his first F1 points here? He needs to score F1 points, his first F1 points here, to prolong his opportunity to show what he can do. Yeah. I don't think this saves him. It just extends the opportunity to build on what sort of coming through slowly in bits and bobs, as James Viles has alluded to. Hmm. He just needs to piece it together here. He needs to. And I don't see why he wouldn't in this in the respect of there isn't that many corners to get wrong. But then again, if it goes wrong here, it's normally quite catastrophic. So um does turn up and not overdrive is what he needs to do. Not let the pressure get to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I think this gives a chance for him to buy himself some more opportunity. Whether that be yeah. uh, Vegas or somewhere else, yeah, I think this is. He just needs to be closer to Albon. That's all they can ask. Score he, points. He not... and that's 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 all he needs to do. If it's a P10. That's he fine. Comes to... Yeah, P10 or is unlucky to miss out with a P11 because he gets outdone by some form of strategy mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with him. He just needs to be there and in the mix. Yeah, basically. I fully agree. So, anything else you want? I angle. I'm like everyone is going to be bringing like suspect specific. Uh, you know, specs of specific uh, wings and that kind of thing. So it's going to be very interesting. It is always one of the more interesting weekends development-wise because, like, it is just so specialist. Yeah, it is one of my favourite race weekends of the year. Yeah, I... I just love, I just love Monza. Yeah, it's always good fun. It's, unless normally it's a straight line fest, but I like seeing cars being pushed to their absolute limits, whether it's aerodynamically or just in terms of straight line speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. if they, if teams can skimp on aerodynamics, they they will at this track, basically. And qualifying is always fun for that reason too. Yeah. Right. Should we move on to predictions? We shall. Okay. 
here we go. Verstappen, Perez. Do you have any different top two? I do. Oh. Carry on. Um, Alex Albon. I'm doing it. I'm, I want to believe. This time it's happening. <laughs> Alex Albon is going to finish third. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Leclerc is going to finish fourth. Ahead of Sainz. Okay. And I'm going to back a McLaren uh, figuring it out. I'm going to put Norris then for sixth ahead of Alonso. Yeah. Okay. And then the two marks, Piastri. And then, yeah, and then we'll go from there. Okay. So I'm going off the basic the basis that the Monza curse strikes again. So the winner since 2019 has dumped the year after. Oh. Yes. I was going to mention this, but I completely forgot until now. Um, Did the clerk DNF so. in 2020? So Leclerc do after in 2020, the no, massive it's... crash at the last turn. Oh, that's Bruce right. Gets it off into the barriers. Um, obviously, Ricardo dumped. And then, whatever, it, it, it was a graphic I saw on Metasport.com. Um, so... Oh, yeah, Ricardo, yeah, that's right. I'm going to go... I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Charles Leclerc, P1. Oh no, don't do it. <laughs> Sergio Perez P2. Carlos Sainz P3. Alex Albon P4. Lewis Hamilton P5. Okay. Oh, why have you done this to yourself? I've done it to myself because I'm not putting Perez to win the fucking Italian Grand Prix. Fuck off. <laughs> he can do it on all circuits. He's the main man. Go away. Go away. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, you poor thing. Delusion is a, is a is a is a. It's a... not delusion. It's just fucking hope at this point. I can't wait. My girlfriend said to me, "Don't get your hopes up." In what <laughs> context did of... you say that to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I, I says, "Oh, we're, we're finally going to get a podium." Then she was like, "I, I said to her, oh, I'm just going to nip to the toilet." And she was like, "Oh, you couldn't have told me any worse. You're now P5." I was like, "Oh, okay, great, <laughs> brilliant, thanks, love that." Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh well, we'll see. You poor. Th- I do think they, uh, there's a chance they could w- run well here, given what we saw in Belgium. But I, I think a double double podium is possible if the Monza curse lives up to expectations. Well, we'll we're going to put that to the test, aren't we? And we're in front of Albon. <laughs> That's basically what this weekend hinges on: some unbeknownst curse and some insane qualifying pace to qualify fucking Williams. Mm. What has Ferrari's year come to? I think a lot of teams are hoping that their weekend doesn't hinge on being behind Alex Albon. Yeah, basically. And Logan Sargent, in this case, I think they're going to have to account for this weekend as well. Yeah, they have to. Maybe not some of the top teams, but some of the other teams, the midfield teams, I think are definitely going to have to be wary of that one. It's going to be a a rough I'm going Logan P12, by the way. I'm going to give him a point. I think he'll do it. I I do think he has done on strategy. That's the only reason I'm putting P12. Okay. We shall we shall see with that now, now. What did you want to add? Actually, before you go on to your thing, do you know how tempted I was to link you FIA truck racing over the weekend? Because the, the the feed, the live stream, of my feed popped up a few times. It's like I want to send this to him just to. For the you know, case. I've been to see that live, right? Truck racing. Yes. Really. Yes. When I was younger, it was at Donington, and my dad told me. <laughs> it's quite fun, actually. 
quite fun. I've actually, you know, I've I actually watched it when I was younger as well. It's it's not that expensive to go and see it. To be fair, it's like shock. Twelve, thirteen quid a ticket. <laughs> and like, I think kids got in free, so oh nice. It's a bit more expensive now, but it's it's still very good. It's good fun. You were also watching the Porsche Super Cup at um, Red Bull Ring over the weekend as well. Yeah, imagine sitting in a bar in Blackpool at two a.m. and for some reason they've got Eurosport on and Porsche Super Cups on. Imagine my surprise. <laughs> um, did not know that Amari Cordiel had a brother, and um, Gislaine Cordiel was in that race, correct? Wow! And they had Cordiel slapped all over the car. <laughs> So Joel, that was big. Joel, the most random thing is when I watched truck racing when I was younger, I think I just discovered that Heintel Frensen had a brother as well. That thing that also <laughs> partook in truck racing. <laughs> what a small world. Heintel Frensen also thing. featured on the, I haven't listened to it, but also featured on the F1 uh, Beyond the Greek podcast recently. Yeah, I saw that. Well, hmm. I didn't watch it, but I saw that it was on it. What else do you have? Do you have what else do you have for me? So, a Twitter stat that I've just seen. Um, Clement Novelite now has the same amount of wins in Formula 2 this season as championship leader Terry Porcher. Oh my goodness, he does not all. Wow. Yeah. I saw that, I was like, oh god, yeah. Jeez. That's that's embarrassing. But shows how consistently average Porcher has been. Yeah. yeah. He's always been there, but not quite thereabouts. Or he's been in the wall. So. Oh. I think it's more Didn't achievement. Did he basically do what Doohan did last year and crash in the same place? Because I swear Doohan put it in the wall there last year. Uh, like one of the places I would less expect a car to end up. Him or Sergeant, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was Sergeant. It was Sergeant. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, because Sergeant was on a bit of a roll at that point. Yeah, and then Belgium and uh, and Zambord happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because obviously it was roles reversed last term last year. Not the way it is this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Yeah, I think it's an achievement to win a feature race in the Trident, to be real. Yeah. Well done, Clement Novelak. You aced it. I will say, poor old Hauger was screwed over twice and multiple times in qualifying. I, he was. Crawford was so lucky to take pole. He was. Someone else was going to take pole, and then Red Flag McGee just ruined it. So. Uh, <laughs> that feature race was kind of set up a bit from the madness of the Friday, but. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's going to do it, I believe, for this week's edition of the Switchback 4 in 1 podcast. I've been Graham. I've been two hour McGee. Yep, yep, I am starved. And, uh, Same. yep, we shall see you next week. Ciao. <laughs>